Hey everybody, it's Bill Burr on the video camera here. Uh, gonna do something a little different on the Thursday afternoon just before Friday Money Money podcast this week. Um, it's week one of NFL football. And I have the great Paul Verzi. Uh, we have a clip of us picking our uh, football games uh, against the spread. Our little Jimmy the Greek thing that we're going to be doing. So check that out. And uh, that clip will be, be played right after this. And then following that, um, I actually have a, a great guest, uh, Sterling Harjo, from the new hit show on Hulu, Reservation Dogs. And old Freckles is going to be on this week's episode playing a coach slash um, driving instructor. See, from Oklahoma. All right. So I'm already ready for all you guys to shit all over me. As you always do. But I think I did a good job. All right? Enjoy the NFL picks and enjoy the interview. All right, guys. It's time to announce our new sponsor, which we are so thrilled to be teaming up with. Okay? But we are now going to be working with BetMGM for all, all the gambling, all the football. And it's MGM, so you know it's a trusted name. Okay? Uh, And week one is here. Week one is here. We've teamed up with them. And uh, this is it, man. The center of the football action. There's going to be so many different bets that we have on there. Um, BetMGM is a brand you could trust. Deposits and withdrawals are fast and reliable. So you could get your money right away. None of that waiting. They, they do it the right way. Okay. Uh, the best part is this year is going to have special offers for our listeners. Starting with this one. If you uh, are new to BetMGM, Use the bonus code BURR, that's B-U-R-R, and get $200 free after placing your first bet, uh, first $10 bet as long as the team you bet on scores a touchdown. So you're going to make – you're going to get money. All your team has to do is score a touchdown. Okay? They're giving you a victory to start the year. Who does that? Get in the end zone once. Get yeah. in the end zone, and you're an NFL team. Build up your nest egg on this bet, and then you can have a hopefully have a winning season. Yes. So make sure, guys, make sure you download okay the BetMGM app and sign up with code Burr B U R R. Place first ten dollar money line bet uh, on any NFL team to win. You'll get two hundred dollars in free bets as long as your team scores a touchdown, regardless of the outcome of the bet. That is crazy. Take it from me. I, I like a little. I like a little action. If you, if your team <laughs> scores a touchdown, okay, uh, they score a touchdown. You get two hundred bucks. Imagine watching your favorite football team, and you sit down on Sunday, and all your team has to do is score one touchdown, and you get two C notes. What's better than that? Now, BetMGM right now, they are live in Arizona today, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Tennessee, Virginia, Indiana, Michigan, Iowa, West Virginia, Washington, D.C., and Wyoming. So uh, if you already if you already have a BetMGM account, don't worry. BetMGM has uh, something for you, too. New and existing customers will receive 20 bucks in free bets for week one. Okay? Um Visit MGM, uh, visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age, guys. Arizona, Colorado, D.C., Iowa, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Excludes Michigan, uh, disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. 
Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. Colorado, D.C., uh, uh, Nevada, Wyoming, Virginia, 1-800-270-7117. For confidential help, Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER. New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA. Call or text Tennessee red, uh, uh, red Line 1-800-889-9789, uh, Tennessee, or call 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Indiana. Okay? So uh, go, to, go to those things. Definitely gamble responsibly, but have a good time. They're going to have such great bets for you guys. Um, um, here are some cool bets. Super Bowl winner. Check this out, Bill. Super Bowl winner, Buccaneers. If you bet $30,000 on the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl, you get $210,000. Oh, man, I'm getting the willies here. Look at this. Look at this. If I throw $4,000 on the G-Men to win the Super Bowl, I get four hundred dollars Oh, my God. What's, what's, the, uh, what's the Patriots' odds? The Patriots odds for the Super Bowl. If you bet $10,000 for the New England Patriots to win the Super Bowl, you get 300 big ones. Okay, that's a nice little, I don't know, Bill, you should do that. You got a new quarterback, you know, Belichick's coming out of the gate a little hot. I might throw 500 bucks on that. That's a great bet. Uh, Conference champions. Here you go, conference champions. Let's see what it is for the, uh, let's say Falcons. For Falcons to be conference champions, you just have to risk $1,515 to win $100,000 for them to win the South. Patriots, $10,000 wins. Ooh, this is, this is, I mean, I don't know. This is tough with the Bills, but if you give $10,000 to that bet for the Patriots to win the uh, conference champion, you win $180,000, okay? And, um, And then they have Super Bowl matchup stuff. They also have NFL MVP, Tom Brady's plus $1,400. So you could win five if you bet five thousand, you get seventy k. Um, uh, yeah, Aaron Donald, the defensive player, five hundred bucks to win a hundred k. So all of these bets are unbelievable, um, and they always offer um, halftime early payouts, which means if your team is up at halftime by ten or more, you could bounce out of the deal because you don't want anything that you could basically leave the bet. Okay, so these people are giving you $200, okay? It's a reputable name. It's MGM, okay? Then if your team is winning by 10 points or more at halftime, you could go, you know what? I don't need the stress of these other two quarters. I'm out. Give me my money, okay? And they'll give it to you fast. Um, The options are crazy. You never had those options. Yeah. When I was growing up, you bet the game you were locked in, that was it. Yeah. So uh, this is fantastic, dude. For week one, uh, the Bucks are eight-point favorites, okay? If you bet money line and they're up 10 points, you'll just get paid out before the game ends. That is – I'm not even saying that because we're teaming up with them. That is ridiculous. Like, for you to be able to just bounce out of a bet and go not nah, is something I've actually never even heard of. Uh, oh, Stacy's not going to like this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what games you looking at that you like here? All right, so um, I don't know, dude. This is nuts. What is playoff? Okay, so they also have playoff. Uh, dude, I'll, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet. I'm gonna put five hundred bucks on the Pats to win it this year. Fuck it. I would. Got to. I would. 
Um, and, I sent uh, the spreads and, to your email, Paul. If you want to go through the games, I sent the spreads. There's yeah, I just want to. Oh, read I got this. them right here. I got them right here. In front I just got to read this one line movement thing. All right. Um, line movement means um, Broncos to make the playoffs opened at plus two seventy five. Now it's plus uh, one forty. Okay, Washington was plus 85. Now it's uh, plus 185. Now it's 145. And the Colts to miss the playoffs opened at 165. Now it's minus 120. So uh, here's the thing, guys. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code BURR. B-U-R-R. You'll get $200 free for placing your first $10 bet as long as the team you bet on scores a touchdown. So for you people that don't bet, usually this is a lot of fun. You throw $10 on a game, you watch your team score a touchdown, and they're going to put $200 in your account that you could have fun with uh, and, and do whatever you want. You have all these different bets to choose from, including the craziest one, which I think is bouncing out at halftime if your team is just going wild. So um, definitely get the app sign up and they're such great people it's such a reputable company i'm excited now let's talk about some bets all right let's do it all yeah, right so it. tonight what ba, 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 boo-doo, boo-doo, tampa bay buccaneers defending super bowl champions with the great tom brady under center going up against the dallas cowboys once a great franchise they won five super bowls um all right well it's time me and bill are bringing something back that we did years ago the, the Jimmy the Greek Award, Bill Burr beat me back-to-back years. He's a two-time Jimmy the Greek Award champion. I have yet to – I have yet to – what is it, get off the schneid? I'm handicapped now. I got two kids four and under. I don't know anything about the league. Paul, you're going to – I'm telling you, you've been waiting for this. No, this no, is like when Tom Brady went to Tampa and everybody's you, licking their chop to play the Patriots. You know what? Don't do this to me. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. This is Bill. You know what? I'm just going to give you the money because this is bullshit. It's What's that penalty? And then he would win every time. I'm not buying No, but it. I was watching, though, dude. Last time we did this, Paul, I had no kids. Okay, well. I wasn't married. I had my whole life ahead of me. All right, well, I'm going to give you my first game. By the way, the Jimmy the Greek Award, if you go 4-0, it's the unimaginable. If you go 0-4, it's the unforgivable. Okay. The unforgivable, that's okay. it. Okay, um, we'll, pick, we'll pick four games, and we'll go with that. I'm going to pick the first game. My New York football giants are, uh, wow, they're two-and-a-half-point dogs. They're two-and-a-half-point dogs, okay, uh, against the Denver Broncos. I'm taking my New York Giants all day to win that game. They have a chip on their shoulder because they're dogs. We've got Daniel Jones some weapons. So my first pick will be the New York Giants. All right. I got one for you. You know, everybody was talking all about the Chiefs. They're talking all about Patrick Mahomes. They're going to go back to back and all of this stuff and blah, 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 blah. And it didn't happen. And everybody went away. I think they're going to come out hungry. I know they're playing the Cleveland Browns. They're in Cleveland. Cleveland's all excited. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to like be licking his chops to shut everybody up in the dog pound. Even though they're six and a half point dogs, Paul, I gotta, I'm picking the Chiefs. I'm going they're actually at home, Huh? They're, actually, they're at home. They're in. They're in. Oh, East Cleveland City. at. Sorry. Oh, the Arrowhead Stadium. Six and a half points. I love that game. That's a great bet. Patrick Mahomes. They're going to come out emotional. Kelsey's going to be dancing before he even makes his first catch. <laughs> it's going to be. 
I actually think that that's going to be a uh, a bloodbath. I think that they're going to kick the shit out of over the Over or under 54 on that. You think that's a high scoring, low scoring? Bill, you always think that that's never the shootout it's, that they say it's going to be. What do you think? I can never pick over and under. I can never pick that stuff. I'm really good with the Super Bowl, though, for some reason. You know, you give me a whole season to watch somebody, Andrew. It's the first game of the year. Who knows what's going to uh, – Andrew, are you, do- are you docking these or am I? Okay, so – all right, so uh, I got the Giants plus two and a half. Bill has the uh, Kansas City Chiefs minus six and, and that right there is why I always seem to beat you, Paul, because you bet with your heart. You went right for your home team, right out yeah, of the gate. But I did something that I normally don't do, Bill. I took a dog. And, oh, you know, I love a favorite. Oh, yeah, you probably <laughs> love the favorite. And speaking of that, I'm going to a favorite with my second pick. My second pick is this. I love that we do the explanation, too, because your Chiefs explanation was fantastic. You know, guys, there was a lot of stuff gone on with Aaron Rodgers that uh, he didn't want to be there. There was a lot of stuff that he wasn't happy. There was a lot of stuff that he wanted to be traded. And then you know what Aaron Rodgers did, like the damn professional that he is. He put his helmet on and his red jersey, and he went to camp, and he seems to be having a good time. He's staying with them. And I am going to take the the Packers against the Drew Breezeless, the Drew Breezeless Saints. The Packers are four-and-a-half-point favorites. I thought it should be more than that. I love that number. Where's that game? That game is in New Orleans. Okay? It's in New Orleans. The Packers are going in as uh, four-and-a-half-point favorites. I think Aaron Rodgers and all them, they're going to put – they're going to shut the door on the drama. I think they got – the other team is – who they got? Jameis Winston and, uh, and that other kid's number seven. I'm not buying it. Not week one. Aaron Rodgers is not going to have the dramatic offseason that he had and come and lay an egg in week one. I take the Packers minus four and a half. That's actually my fucking bet the farm on it of this week. Yeah, you're selling it, Paul. That sounds great to me. All right. I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals going into Tennessee. I like it. Going into Tennessee. Ooh, I'm not going to lie to you. Up until two seconds ago, I was thinking it was Carolina. Just picturing their uniforms. <laughs> Kyler Murray. Uh, wait, who's their quarterback? Kyler Murray. And no, they- no, who's the Titans quarterback? Oh, uh, Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill. And they still have that uh, ball of hate, that gigantic lunatic as a running back, right? Yes. Uh, Henry, right? No. Uh, I don't know. I just think Kyler Murray's a winner. I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals. I think they came up a little bit short. They have a little bitter taste in their mouth. I'm going to, I'm going to giving three in Tennessee. I don't know about that, Paul. Look good before I started talking about it. All right. All right. I like that. The first week, Paul. I'm going to stumble before I run. I'm going to do something I normally wouldn't do. Okay. I normally would look. <clears throat> I normally would look at this Buffalo Bills uh, minus six in Buffalo against the Steelers, and I would normally take. I would normally take those Buffalo Bills with the spread. I mean, to to cover. I'm going. I'm taking the dog Steelers week one with that old gunslinger Ben Roethlisberger, and I'm gonna actually take points. I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers in Buffalo, getting six and a half. God damn it. I like that bet, too. Now, I can't pick the same thing you're picking, right? Can't do that. 
No. What do I, what do I got left here? All right, I'll go an easy one. I'm going to take the Patriots. Got to bet my Patriots. I got to believe the Mac Jones era. We're giving three points to the Dolphins, who always give us a tough time, but we're not down in Miami. Um, and I know Miami right now. Miami, I think Miami might be looking past the Patriots because right now, you know, last year the Patriots finally, you know, didn't have Tom Brady. And Buffalo was able to take control of the division. So I think Miami has their sights on the Buffalo Bills. Looking past the Patriots with the kid under center. Goes into Gillette Stadium. Eh, we'll beat him like we always do. I think Mac Jones gets a big uh, first victory his first time out. Taking the Pats. All right. That's a good one. All right. So now we got one more each. Uh, one more each. I'm, it's getting slim pickets here, Paul. No, there's a lot of games. No, there's a lot of games, but I'm trying to find one that I like here. I'm going to do this one just because it's opening day in Las Vegas. The Las Vegas Raiders opening day. Okay. Uh, did, did no justice to Chris Berman. I love that though. There it is. Las Vegas Raiders are opening up in their new stadium. This is the first professional football game in Las Vegas. They are, they are dogs to the Ravens and rightfully so. Oh, Paulie's right Fuck! back. On. I thought you were going to take the favorite, and I was going to take the other one. God damn it, Paul. You're learning. You're learning. No, no, no. no, no, no. I'm taking the favorite. You're taking the favorite. Oh, you want to do that? You want to do one game when we battle each one other? One game head-to-head. Dude, I love the Ravens. Oh, no. I love the Ravens, too, but they're favorites. Oh, they're favorites. Oh, okay, okay. I, the I, Ravens, I, I the Ravens are four-and-a-half-point favorites. Oh, that's a great bet, too. I mean, part of being a Raider fan is getting excited about something and then only have your fucking dick knocked in the dirt. I think that that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, I like, I, like the, I like the favorite. I'm back on the favorite on that one. So you, get, you got the choice of all these last games. Yeah, I can't, I can't bet the Raiders. <laughs> I just can't. I, can't. I can't go down on you this far. I already, I, I'm, I'm questioning... Two of the three bets I've already made. What fucking game is left? Oh, my God. The Chargers versus the Washington football team. Dude, are they just are they that racist in Washington, or are they just not that good at coming up with a good idea? How long do you need to come up with a new name for a, a team? That seems to start to seem like a protest. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Seattle Seahawks in Indianapolis. My boy, Russell Wilson. With that other kid there, the, the, the breakout wide receiver, Pete yeah. Carroll. Oh, sneaky Pete. I'm going to take the favorite Seattle Seahawks, minus two and a half to beat the Indianapolis Colts. That's in a their good building, bet. In their building. I like that one all day long. You know, until uh, that kid from Stanford comes back. And plus, I also hate Jim Irsay, one of the biggest whiners this fucking game has ever seen. All right, guys, that's it. The official week one picks of the Anything Better football. Uh, Jimmy the Greek uh, championship is underway. And what are we betting, Paul? What do you what, mean? What, 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 what's for, for the season? You uh, and I, head to head. What do we bet here? Like like whoever comes on top? Yeah, we go in money. We go in a, a dinner someplace. What should we do, man? That's That should be a good, yeah, we should come up with something really good. We should come up with something really good. Um, we'll come, we'll come right. up with this this week. We'll, we'll so, figure something out. I think, okay, I, I had an idea. You let me know. We'll think about it. But I think whoever wins, the loser needs to take them to 
the restaurant of their choice, cigar lounge of their choice, the whole deal that night is just they have to do and take care of it on their on, on their dime. Oh, absolutely. Then I'll bring you to that that famous ice cream store in the Lower East Side. Oh, I'll yeah. Get you, I'll, get you. <laughs> I'll be walking I'm gonna, around. I'm going to take you out, Paul, like an absentee father. <laughs> I'm just holding a fucking ice cream cone. And then you're not going to see me for another six months. Oh, Put a little God. money in your hand, get you some clothes, big ice cream cone, tie a balloon oh. to your wrist, and then that's it. I'll see you next year. I like your bets, Paul. I like, I like your, your bets, bets, too. I like your we'll bets, see. too. I like, Andrew, I like you that. wrote those down, right, so we can remember them? Yeah, I like that Kyler Murray bet you got. I think Arizona's going to come out. They got J.J. Watt, too. That's a good bet. Yeah. Um, Another great right. thing about putting money on games is you, you watch more football. Yeah, it's so fun, dude. It's, it's so fun. And, uh, you know, I'll be a nervous wreck watching the Giants. <laughs> I'll be a nervous wreck watching the Giants. It's, All right. you know. I'm going to put my money in. Uh, I think I'm going to bet the Patriots, and I'm going to bet somebody else to win the Super Bowl. But I got to go dogs on both, so I offset my money so I can actually come out on top, you know? And you know what's beautiful about this season? Women, children love it. My wife makes the chili. The kids get excited. Everybody's running around. Football's on every room in the house. It's just, it's a blissful time, man. It's a blissful time. Every Sunday's a holiday. Hey, so. what, what's going on in Green Bay? Aaron Rodgers is back. Can't you just see Aaron Rodgers just somehow, you know, after the, the brink of him leaving, the whole thing falling apart, all of a sudden him just coming in, maybe leading them. But then you got Tom Brady down there in Tampa. I mean, they got that whole team is back, right? Fuck yeah. this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet the Patriots, and I'm going uh, to bet the Buccaneers. To repeat, Paul. Okay. For ring number eight. I say Brady gets ring number eight, then ring number nine. Okay, don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM, just use the code word uh, BURR, B-U-R-R, and you'll get $200 free after placing your first $10 bet as long as the team you bet on gets a touchdown. Um, we're going to go over these next week. We're going to have a great time with them. Obviously, there's going to be Team Burr rooting for Bill to beat me. Hopefully, there's some Team Verzi hoping for me to beat Bill. It'll be a good time. We'll have a whole little ceremony of the Jimmy the Greek thing at the end. Uh, is there anything else, guys? I think that's it. And let's go New York football giants. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bill Burr, and it's time for the Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, Monday morning podcast, and I'm just checking in on you. Seeing how your week's going, as you see that it's video, you know something's going to be happening. You know that I only have special guests here every once in a while. And uh, this week is no different. I have from the new hit show on FX, Reservation Dogs, that um, it just got already got um, renewed for a season two, Reservation Dogs, on Monday on FX, maybe streaming on Hulu. I'm not sure. One of the creators, uh, Mr. Sterling Harjo. Hello. What's Hi. going on, man? It's good to see you, man. You know what? I think I finally worked off. Uh, I did an episode of the show for people listening. And uh, on my last day of the shoot, you guys got me some food that was. Uh, <laughs> and I, I don't know. Was that native to to Oklahoma or no, is it's, that... uh, it's like a native uh, native sort of adopted. It was like once they uh, started giving us flour 
and sugar and things, we, we were like, all right, like, I guess we can make something with it. And we made fry bread, which you had your first Indian taco, which I'm very proud of. Indian taco, yeah. we meeting Native Americans, which you say you like Indian better. I, I mean, I that. say Indian because I'm Native, I'm Indian, and that's what we say. I think white people say Native American. Um, yeah, well, that's what we do. We slaughter you, and then we give you a nice name, <laughs> so we can get we can get past our guilt. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and we name we name streets and golf courses. <laughs> After stuff, I remember where where I grew up. Everything we had like Native American names. It was really uh... totally and like you know, uh, it's funny because you go to these different places and it's like they have these Native American names and it's like oh well, there used to be natives that lived here. <laughs> like they, they yeah. give them the courtesy of naming it something after them, you know. But that's it. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about uh, this show because I was not. Um aware of it until you know my agent said hey man there's this cool show check out this script i think it could be a cool role for you and i read the script and i immediately loved it yeah. and then you know went out there and went into all the whole world that was going on out there and all you youngsters you know compared to yeah. me out there just killing it making this really great show uh tell tell my listeners you know what the show's about how it came about yeah, so the show is about uh, four Native kids, uh, teenagers in rural Oklahoma, and it's, you know, sort of loosely based on aspects of my life and also Taika Waititi's life, who I created it with, who's a friend of mine. And he and I, you know, we, um, we'd we always wanted to work together. It's funny, like, watching your friend, you know, obviously, you know, he's directed Mandalorian and Thor and all of that, um, but watching your friend sort of explode into this star, uh, you know, and we started out as independent filmmakers together, but he had this deal at FX and was basically like, um, do you have anything that we could pitch over there? And he and I read each other's scripts over the years and we both had a similar script about kids and we decided to pitch that and it was really fast. I mean, like, you know, you pitch these things and I thought like I'd hear from Tyke in a year about it or whatever, but it was right. literally like a few days later. Um, we had a pilot to write. We had an order for a pilot, shot wow. the show. And, um, you know, it was uh, an amazing experience. And it was like, I don't know any other way to make, you know, you came into the situation, which I, you know, thank you so much for mentioning that you had a great time on the show um, because I know they can be pretty boring. And um, no, but, that wasn't boring. It was uh, first a beautiful part of the country, Tulsa, yeah. Oklahoma. One of my favorite places where, uh, you know, I've done stand up at the Brady Theater a couple of yeah, times. I've seen you there. Yeah. So I was kind of excited to go out to Oklahoma in that, you know, you guys don't get a lot of national press. So you're no. kind of like, well, what's going on out here? Let me check this out. And uh, what How was it like? Did you did you grow up? Time. What was that? Yeah, I, grew, I grew up in Holdenville, Oklahoma, which is like an hour and a half south of Tulsa, super rural, 5,000 people, mm -hmm. um, you know, and we were like the biggest town in the area. So it was like, we even had suburbs, which were just like dirt roads and houses on hills. But like, I grew up outside of that town. Um, you know, it was made up of, uh, I think it's like, you know, there were native, native people there, white people, black people, and it was very mixed. And like, um, you know, you kind of grow up with each other in this small town. Um, and the show, I wanted to basically reflect that, you know, it was like, I'd never seen my experience on TV. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Tazba Chavez wrote your episode and directed your episode. 
And I think that, um, you know, uh, but your character was based on a coach of mine, you know, and it was like, you all have these like, you know, funny coaches back where you grow up and like, yeah. um, you know, I had this coach, his name was Butch Rawls. And I think I told you about this guy. He, uh, anytime you walked in the room, he would always say, oh, and like, you can be in like a bar in Boston. And if you, and if there's two people from Holdenville, which would never happen, but like, if there's two people in Holdenville and one of them said, oh, that person would hear it across the room. Cause it either meant like he was about to bust your ass and give you a swat or make you run or do something insane. But he was a big guy and burly football player, always had a dip in his mouth and never saw him without a dip in his mouth. Um, and you know, he, uh, but like that's basically who your coaches uh the coach that's what i liked about because i felt the way you wrote it there was so much to um to base it off of and uh just you know the little acting that i've done being like in 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 new york what's new york now where it's really homogenized and then also like kind of being out in hollywood it's it's kind of hard to find characters outside of crazy people trying to make it in the entertainment business so yeah. when i go on the road i try to look at people and clock different things that could be like an interesting choice and when i was talking to you on the phone you kind of filled it up then he used to drink a lot too yeah there was uh well, it was based on two coaches one of them and like you know later later uh whenever i got older he would invite us over and we'd have beer and he'd always say uh it is. He'd always say, hey, come on in, get your cold beer. And like, it was always called cold <laughs> beer. And uh, we'd have drinks with Coach Rawls and he had a big old uh, trash can full of empties, you know, and we would uh, help him fill that up. He was a, he's a great guy. He's still alive. He's still around. He's great. So what was your, you know, you said something earlier that um, you saying how you didn't see yourself on TV. And as yeah. a white dude, like, that's just something I can't relate to. And it's easy to downplay it as like a white person be like, well, you know, I don't really relate to these people on sitcoms or whatever, but like psychologically, like what that does to you. Cause I even noticed with my daughter, she's sort of gravitating towards wanting to just watch boys do stuff on YouTube. And I, and I was kind of like, just asking like, what was up with that? And she was already sort of subtly getting this message that girls don't do things boys do. Yeah. So now, you know, I got to watch, you know, that girl that challenged Dave Grohl to the drum battle. I have her watching oh, yeah. that. Now she wants a drum kit. And I, you know, the, those girls that were crushing it in the Olympics on skateboards. So I was like, um, really, uh, you have to, know, when you, you said that, that, that just reminded me of that. So what was that like when you grew up when it was just all white, basically super yeah, white? I mean, like it was all white or it was, um, you know, you would have, once every five years you'd have a western and all the people that are supposed to represent you are just getting shot off horses and like lying dead in front of camps and teepees and stuff um i think that that definitely does something to you you know like just growing up like knowing that but like when we were kids but well, when you were watching that i always wondered what the chatter's like because i've always heard like you know like the big time hollywood movies you know, the aliens attack the whole world, but it's always the Americans that save the whole world. Like we sit there, we watch the movie and we're into it. But then I heard like when they played in France or England, they're just laughing. Look at these arrogant Americans like laughing. So you guys is all Native Americans sitting around watching whatever Western came out. I mean, are you guys like doing mystery science theater, just using yeah. humor to kind of get past it? 
Yeah, I mean, you laugh at it. I mean, I remember watching uh, this film. I'm Seminole native, and uh, there was a film called Seminole Wars, and my dad was like, hey, come on in. There's a movie about our people, you know? <laughs> and it couldn't have been more <laughs> off. You know? Written by like, Mike Murphy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was like... Uh, Everyone was dressed as Lakotas with big headdresses and like they were probably speaking Comanche or something, you know, and like, uh, but there's this weird thing that happens where you're like, you let it slide because you're like, finally something like we're on TV, like, even though it's a white guy painted and brown faced, you're kind of like, whatever, you know, like it's us, right. you know? we're finally represented. But then you're also laughing at the ridiculous shit that happens, you know, like, um, you, you do, you do kind of laugh through it. But like, it, there's also a bit of like, pride strange pride in the fact that at least they mentioned your culture right you know? like it's in the worst way but like at least they mentioned it so when you were putting together this show where it's finally you know you're you're finally going to be writing your people's or a part of your people's uh story culture and all that type of thing did you feel any sort of pressure and since the show has come out um has the, the support been there from other uh, Native American people and stuff excited that this is on? Or are they being like, you know, that wouldn't happen like that or blah, 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 blah. Are they being the typical Internet haters or are you still there's in the honeymoon phase? There's definitely some Internet hate. Um, but for the most part, it's been like 90 percent of it's been wonderful. And everybody's responded so great. Of course, you only listen to the 10 percent. And, you know, and like you realize, like, oh, I have to quit listening to any of this shit. You know what I always do? Whenever yeah. something I do comes out, I just read until the first time I get trashed. Yeah. Then I go, all right, that was like, you know, eight, eight out of nine were good. All right, that's that's good. I don't need to read the rest of this. I don't need to get a big head, and I also don't need to stick my big head in the, in the oven. So and I just kind of... Like, what do you do? You check out or what? You just, like, put the phone away? Yeah, anytime I've ever had one of those stupid, you know, you say something on a talk show or whatever, you just walk away from your phone for three days, like... Even when it's happening, so few people give a shit. Yeah. And it's really easy to just get all of a sudden, like, in, in you know, your little bubble, like, does everybody care about me? No, they no, don't. Nobody cares. outside and going, like, are they talking about me? Like, what's happening? Like, Yeah, they're not. Because that's what I, I remember one of the first times it happened is I then got on the phone with somebody. I was like, you know, because I had that whole dust up on the, the whatever, the blah, blah, blah gig or something like that. And he goes, what happened? I was like, you didn't hear about that? And he's like, no. And it was like another comic and stuff. So I was just like, oh, this shit is like microscopic. This yeah. is just, it's just, you know, when you're going on Twitter, you're essentially reading just your thread and the, the people that you follow. Yeah. But most of the time, you know, you're into yourself. So you're just reading what people are saying about you. And then you think it's all of Twitter or all of... Yeah the world Instant, whatever whatever the hell it is so well, I, I, I realized just... i realized that because i started like similar to you i started uh talking to friends and just like you know the whole thing and mm -hmm. they're like what are you talking about like anything like oh yeah. no one knows you know but like in my brain it's like oh my god everybody's talking about it. i mean but it has been crazy i will say that i come from making independent films and mm -hmm. you know I, I, a place where like not everyone sees your film to having a show that is really popular. And you know, you just make these things and you don't know what's going to happen. And you were there. I made it. Did like you have any idea when you were uh, 
I, when I was there, I felt like I kind of felt that little spark. Like, this feels like this is special. Like this is yeah. going to, I already knew because of the subject matter. I'm like, this is really different. And then I just could tell, I felt anyways, because you never know how they're going to end up, but just the way it was written and the tone of it and how it was funny, but it was real and it was tragic. It had all of that type of stuff. I'm like, all right, if all of this comes together. Well, know? I knew like, I mean, that was the plan, you know, it was like, cause I don't see TV like that. You know, like I'm a big, uh, you know, I'm into cinema. Like I love Hal Ashby, you know, where there's like, you watch Harold Maud or like being there, you know, and it's like, there's tragedy and there's humor and it's all butting up together. I don't see that in TV much, you know, for a 30 minute comedy. And, but I just really approached it like we were making an independent film of mine, which is very like a family, you know? And I think like you probably felt that, you know, I know Bobby Lee told me he felt that and Kirk Fox. And um, it was like- Kirk Fox is amazing. Plays yeah, the, uh, yeah. yeah, the wannabe Native American guy who runs the junkyard. Yeah, that was such a, that was yeah. a good time that scene. Right, man. You yeah. guys are so great together, man. It's great. I can't wait for people to see your episode. Um, and that episode is that I think that's coming out this Monday, right? Coming out Monday. Yeah, exactly. All right. So everybody watch that FX. And I saw something else with Hulu. Is it also streaming on Hulu oh, or no? It's, it's only on Hulu. And it's um, it's what uh, FX on Hulu is what it's called. FX on Hulu. Jesus. So, Christ. I mean, I, I can't. I was sitting before Hulu. I did the interview. I'm like, I got to find out what channel, what time. I knew it was FX. And then it was just like. I, I was wondering why I couldn't find a time. Yeah, All right. it's, so it's, it's on Hulu. On, yeah. It's on Hulu. All Comes right. out, um, I believe, midnight Eastern time um, on Sunday night. Well, Monday morning. So. Okay. I mean, you know what I've been digging into lately? What's that? I've been watching the original uh, Untouchable series with oh, Robert man. Stack. I haven't and, seen it. I've oh, seen it. Do you know what's amazing about it is it's. I was talking about it on my podcast, how it's almost like the first Law and Order where so many amazing actors got that first TV credit on it. Because yeah. there's like uh, like Charles Bronson, Lee Marvin, Robert Redford, uh, Telly Savalas. I saw like a 22, 21, 22 year old James Caan in it. Yeah. Um, it's just, it just. It's like uh, The Outsiders. You remember that where it's like, you know, it's like, Patrick Swayze, Tom Cruise, Emilio Estevez, Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe, like uh, Ralph Macchio. It was just every everybody in it went out and headlined a movie or starred in a movie right. and had a run. Matt, Dillon. however long. Yeah, Matt Dillon. Yeah, Matt Dillon too. That's right. Yeah, Dude yeah. for Johnny, and that Dude they Johnny. and that was in uh, every time oh. I go to Tulsa. You know, Dean Del Rey, my buddy, he tells me, he goes, you got to go see the outsider house, man. It's right down the street. And I never get around to it. Yeah. But I did. I did get a chance to see my first bald eagles, which I'd never oh, seen nice. one unless it was like in cap captivity. Well, I didn't realize that the old ones had the white feathers and the younger ones kind of had like yeah. the brown or whatever. Yeah. So I'm 99 percent sure. Because I went to that museum where they, you then look out into the... Oh, yeah. Uh, there's eagles out there. The Gilcrease, probably. That's the what Gilcrease. I went to. Yeah. There's definitely eagles out there. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, like, tell me about your first time in Tulsa. Because, you, you know, 
it's a small city so it's like chatter around town was all like hey bill burr likes it here man he's mentioned us a couple of times and I oh think okay so i yeah i'm going to tulsa oklahoma so i think it's going to be a bunch of shit kickers and wranglers cowboy boots with the spurs on it yeah. you know in a spittoon like yeah, i have no idea what it's going to be and i went there and i immediately noticed like man there's all these great places to eat there's a real like an art scene going on here i'm feeling like there's a live music thing going on and um and then i went into the brady theater and the promoter had this old cadillac from the early 70s yeah. that like i remember he let me drive it one of those things where you feel oh. it wanting to lurch forward before you even put it in yeah, drive yeah. like yeah. the idle so high and then yeah. i just kind of just driving this big thing down yeah. he let me take it around the block and um you know i am a lover of uh old uh sports stadiums and that type of stuff wow. so i went and it since doing stand-up, it's now become that with like theaters and everything. So to go in the Brady Theater, yeah, I yeah. forget who's played there, but I definitely looked up and I asked people and they were like, oh, Willie Nelson and all of these guys. Oh, yeah. And I saw Tom Waits there, man. Like, I mean, one of my favorite shows ever was Tom Waits at the Brady Theater, man. There's some great, yeah. great shows. Yeah, I, and you could, it's funny because you, like when you walk in there, that was one of the things when I went to the break there, I was like, oh man, everybody's played here. Oh yeah, Dylan, you know, like Dylan, you see him walking around town before his show and stuff. It's pretty great. Yeah, it seemed like you guys kind of like, you have a little bit of what's going on in a lot of cities, but hopefully not a lot where they they keep knocking down old shit. I know. Not only old shit, but like places where it's something to go do something. And then they just put up some glass tower of, of, of high end, yet, yet again, high-end apartments, which um, oh, I don't understand how everybody... Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there was this uh, bar that everyone used to go to called the Sound Pony. And you would... And it was great because it had a back patio. You had a view of downtown. Mm-hmm. And it was this place. It was next to the Canes Ballroom, which a lot of bigger acts play there. But the Sound Pony was a place that smaller acts could come through and play. And there's like punk shows and things like that. And we just kind of came up going there. And one of the best things was you had this view of downtown in the, from the back patio. And then all of a sudden, high-rise, $4 million lofts get built. And they're being built right now. And it's just like you go back there now and you feel like you're in this, like, closed-off alley. You know, it's just like, it's just like, why, yeah, and the why thing is like, that there? Well, who has the money in Tulsa, Oklahoma yeah. to do that? Yeah, who's spending $4 million for an apartment? Uh, yeah, and what do you look, just so you can look down on people? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't understand it. I I did want to take the time to talk to uh, about some of the people that I you already mentioned um, uh, Taz, but also uh, Devry Jacobs. uh, And then I met some of the other actors who weren't um, in the uh, episode that I was in. It just seemed uh, man, Devry, you and Devry are so great together. Like, oh, thank God, she's great, right? I mean, like, just like it's so good like you guys this kind of odd couple story that end up together you know it's fantastic and and what's cool is like most of it takes place in a car you know which i love yeah no i'd be honest with you there was a lot of that stuff that i don't want to give away the episode but a lot of it you know certainly where we were shooting and everything reminded me of one of my favorite movies uh no country for old men oh yeah yeah, yeah. you know like when we were driving in between like sets or like at the motel Oh, so yeah. very, very Tarantino sort of very no country too. you know, just like yeah, the, the yeah. you know, which like, I love about that movie 
is when that whole shootout thing happens that they don't show it. Like, it's just so brilliant. No, it's beautiful. I mean, like, that's the thing about, like, what I love of shooting here is there's so many locations. Mm -hmm. There's so many locations um, that you don't, I mean, like, I, I would hate to just be stuck in stages, right? Like doing, like shooting in sound stages and stuff. Cause like you get to go out to these places and find these amazing. And I think that's part of what people talk to me about the show and why they like it is it feels like you're in a different place, you know, like you feel like you're, uh, it's a location they've never seen. And it, like, you know, this is cheesy and people say this a lot, but it's like the location definitely becomes like a character a bit, you know what I mean? Like right. think of that, like the, um, you know, uh, the the Rinty Bros uh, salvage yard where Kirk Fox and them, where you go in the episode to see the, the guys at the salvage yard. I mean, that place is rad, you know, and it's just like these, you know, this, uh, this old black man owns it. And like you, we showed up there and he was like, we were like, we'd love to shoot here. He's like, yeah, man, he loves us. Like, we, like he's ready oh, for season. He's super excited for season two. He loves to hang out. Dude, I wanted to buy, there was like a couple of trucks in there that I saw that I liked, a couple of cars. I think the car we ended up sitting on too was a cool one. I'm trying to remember what they were, but there was some, uh, was some oh, good yeah. looking stuff oh, in yeah. there. Good stuff, yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's like got that rusted feel. I don't know, I mean, like, you know, you mentioned the Coen brothers and I've always been a big fan of their work and kind of that world and like, it's always like, you know, it's not gritty reality, but it's a heightened reality. And I like, and I think that's what this show is, you know, it's like, it's, it, there's a bit of magic to it and it's showing this world that no one's ever seen before. And it's kind of like, I think of it as like, you know, I have a nostalgia for the way that I grew up in rural Oklahoma. And right. I don't think people necessarily understand that world or, or understand what it's like. And they definitely don't like, aren't used to meeting like a native person with a country accent or like something like that, you know? And so like, I just wanted to show this and it was kind of like this, you know, as a bit of nostalgia from the way I grew up. And, you know, I don't know if it necessarily, you know, like, so, you know, and also kind of giving homage to all these movies that I love growing up, which I think like when you grow up in rural areas, you mm -hmm. kind of see things through pop culture, right? Like you, you're, you live your life, through movie references and music and oh yeah yeah and so we have these like homages to like you know i mean i mean in your episode license to drive but like you know these like platoon homages and all this stuff you know and it's like uh i don't know just sort of the innocence of kids or whatever you know just like kind of living their life and dreaming of leaving i think i remember or, making friends with people because someone would do an obscure line from a movie that i loved and the second you click, oh my God, is that from, you know, I remember like one of my, my, uh, favorite people out is Chris Mazzilli, who runs the Gotham comedy club. Yeah. And he made this reference to, uh, Pulp at Greenwich village. Oh yeah. That tough, uh, yeah, yeah. The, talking about the, uh, the, the mozzarella at this restaurant, tough, yeah. like fucking that yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the only guy. He said that. I was just like, you fucking remember? It's like, there's so many great lines in that movie, but like me and a buddy of mine, when I used to work in this warehouse before I got into this business, we used to always um, watch that movie. And that was one of the lines that stuck out. And nobody, a lot of people haven't even seen that movie. And nobody, if they did, it was always Charlie. They took my thumb and, you know, the iconic things that people say in that. But he was the only guy that picked up that obscure one. And I was like, I like this guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, hey, can I, I want to ask you a question as far as like, you know, just 
Native Americans like living on reservations and everything like that. Like, so that's the land that that white people gave Native Americans or placed them on after they moved them and did all the other horrible stuff. What are the options? Like if you are on a reservation, are you free to just be like, yeah, hey, man, I'm going to go to USC or I'm just going to go do something over here? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, nowadays, like in Oklahoma is different because like Oklahoma used to be sort of one big reservation or one big territory that had a lot of reservations in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why it was called Indian territory back in the day. And then you have, you know, other reservations that are more closed off. Like our, our reservation isn't closed. So white people, everybody can live in the borders of that land. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's nothing keeping you there, you know, other than either something cultural or yourself or family or whatever. Um, and I think that there is a hesitation sometimes when you grow up with native communities to not leave, you know, because, you know, whatever, like this. Do you whole- feel like you're selling out or is it just one of those, just I'm not leaving my hometown? It's kind of a complicated thing of like, you know, you want to help because there's so little of you and, you know, you're the, the, the fear of like losing culture, I think is mm-hmm. and the, the fear and also the importance of culture is kind of instilled in you and how unique your culture is like if you leave this place you're not going to find people with the same language as you or like the same customs as you or, or traditions um so there, there's a bit of like holding on to what you have and there's a pressure to stay because of that um and you find a lot of times i think and that's kind of what this show is about honestly is like different people do different things, you know, like I left. Um, right. and, and, and did you and, wrestle with that leaving? Yeah, definitely. I still do. I mean, like I still live in Oklahoma which is technically on the Muscogee reservation, you know? And so like, mm-hmm. um, I live here because I want to be close to the culture and the people. Um, and I think you definitely wrestle with that because you're a part of the demise if you leave sometimes, but there's also people that leave and go do amazing things. And then sometimes they bring those amazing things back and whatever talents they learn, whether they're doctors or whatever, they can come back and help their people. Um, so yeah, it's always a complicated thing. I think it's like that with anybody from a a small community, a tight community. That's really cool. Um, what are your, uh, when you went to pitch this thing? Um, just out of curiosity, because, you know, I always know when you go into pitch something, they always go like, okay, we love the idea. We love the characters and blah, blah, blah. Where do you see these people in like five years and stuff? Did When you did the pitch, just out of curiosity, did you pitch them the three season arc or the five season arc? Or, or did they just know that there was, this is such like an untapped area of humanity that, you know, that the episodes would be coming. It was definitely that. I mean, but the way it started was Taika, I Taika and I came up with the idea. I wrote him a little document, sent it to him the next day. A couple of days later, he had dinner with Garrett Bosch, who's the producer of what we do in the shadows. Together, they called FX and basically mm-hmm. said, you have 45 minutes to buy this or we're taking it somewhere else. And they were like, wow they were, I know. and they were like well they've never heard anything about like natives that were funny they were like i've never heard anything like this like we'll do it so i literally had a deal that day for to write a pilot i didn't even have to go in and then out of courtesy we went in like a month later taika and i and just sort of talked to them about the show in person and i think just 
from Tyke and I spitballing what the possibilities were, they mm -hmm. knew that there were multiple seasons, you know. How so was they, the room? Was it a cold room? Was it a cool room to pitch in or what? It was very uh, welcoming. I mean, Taika makes any room kind of like, it's like they're like, you know, putty in his hands or whatever. I get it. He gets them to chill and then like, yeah, oh, he's okay. He's Everybody loves being around them, you know? And so like he walks in, tells a couple jokes, lays on a couch, and then like everyone's ready, you know, and it's fine. So uh, it was really easy actually doing it with him. I, I, I And like, honestly, I can't believe how fast it went because like, we were shooting the, we wrote the, we wrote the pilot and Taika was coming out to direct the pilot. And then the pandemic happened we got shut down. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, we're committed to the show. We'll hire you to write four more episodes. So I wrote four more, ep I wrote three more episodes. And now do you have a room or do you write by yourself? At that point, I didn't have a room. I just wrote the three episodes during the pandemic. And then they were like, all right, we love these. Let's order the room. They ordered the room. We wrote the rest of it. And then we were shooting. Oh, no, first I went and shot the pilot and, and Taika had to go make Thor. So I ended up directing the pilot. And that was when they kind of loosened up the, the COVID stuff. We were able to mm -hmm. go shoot the pilot. They loved it. They ordered the room. We wrote the rest of it. And then we went and, you know, that's when you came out and we shot the rest of the series. Um, it was really fast. I mean, it was super fast. When you when you put together your room, were, were they cool with whoever you wanted to go in there? Yeah, man, because I was like, you know, I want my friends to write this, like my native friends that are talented. And like, I wanted so there to- There you go, you became that guy. I know. You, and it was you like, left, you did something, and then you came back and you hooked right. people up. And it's like, you know, the the beauty of that was like, in that writer's room, and it's not like I would only ever write with native people, but this specific story, because it's about a community, it's like, there was there was a shorthand, I didn't have to explain anything. We all started off from this place of like commonality where like, we could just tell the story and tell the jokes and talk about funny stories that happened to us back home. No one had to explain anything. And it just went really fast and really good. And then they, you know, a lot of the same people came and directed those episodes as well like Tazba. Tazba was her first time. Tazba, who directs your episode, I mean, it's such a good episode. Too. I loved her, man. She, she was, was she was a lot of fun. The way yeah. she directed, she has got a real cool style. Real cool style and like super like, um, I mean, like she would call me at like two in the morning and be like, I'm researching this thing about that. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you know, she was just really hard <laughs> to take care of business, you know, and like, which is great. And, um, but she came in and just like did it and like she had never directed tv before and um you know just to give people the opportunity to shine like that was that and was her deal was was she uh, a writer on the show or a performer she was a writer on the show she wrote your episode and then um she directed your episode and that's the only episode she no, i'm saying before before she directed was she oh, helping you oh, write the other episodes she helped write the other episodes, but she had made a couple short films before that. So like, oh, okay. she, was, and she was an old friend of mine and I just knew that she was talented and, you know, uh, it didn't really take any convincing at all. I mean, FX, I mean, that's what I'll say about FX is they've been like uh, creatively super hands off and just kind of encouraging on everything, on every front. Well, dude, I think obviously, man, you already got renewed. You got lightning in a bottle over there. It just felt like all this new, new blood going in there, which is, is kind of, been like uh you know something that's it's weird it's been happening in my life lately i think that's maybe how i ended up somehow getting sucked into the show which is awesome because uh, the comedy store 
you know, all of these people, Joe and all of them left, yeah. which sucked. But then all this new blood came in and it just sort of was like, okay, this is still stand-up comedy, but there's this whole new energy. Yeah. It's a different thing in there. And I, I really got that vibe when you're on your show. So I, I want to make sure I take the time to thank you yeah. for thinking of me and put me on that thing. And I hope people uh, like the episode. And uh, It will, man. I'm super proud yeah. of that one. It's going to really knock people over, man. It's a really good one. Okay. And real quickly, how many, how many episodes are per season? Eight episodes. So yours is the seventh episode, and then there's the finale, and then we go into writing the next season. And then the next season is—is is there going to be eight again? Or is it ten? Ten the next season. Ten the next season. Yeah. Okay, so they give you a little more time to tell the story. That's right. So now, do you have that like uh, on F is for Family? You know, Mike Price, the great Mike Price. He would always we'd have the war room. You know, the big bulletin board. I'm always fascinated with how people put it together. And we would just have each character was a different you know, color card or something like that. And we would just sort of track, like, how yeah. are we going to do this? So, you know. I mean, uh, we had a Zoom, right? We had to do a Zoom room. So it wasn't even a real oh room. Oh, God. Yeah, which is crazy. So, like, you're literally looking at faces like this. And then you have um, a writer's assistant who is pulling up the software and, like, laying out the act structure or the character cards Mm -hmm. on specific software and you're really just talking through the stuff and you record it so you can keep it in case you need it you know and um well you're like super chill man do you ever get like frustrated like some days like when i would be in the writer's room you know days when it isn't working i would just get my brain would just get like i mean i wouldn't flip out i would just be like oh my god i blew it up like where i would go home and we would have like all the episodes kind of broke and like we're ready to go and then i would go home and eat an edible or something and like get in like a get into like a panic mode and just be like oh my god this is not the show like this isn't the show like we fucked up and then i would like come in the next day and just be like we're, we're fucking destroying all of it like we ha- we have to really like blow it up and figure out where the show is you know and everyone would be like oh but then like inevitably someone will be like well you're right think about this and like let's think about this and then we would rebuild it back up and it was better you know i think that that was kind of key in making the episodes really good uh, i really admire that work ethic because i gotta tell you once i get on that because tr- trying to pull it back apart again which is why i needed mike price yeah one of the many reasons why i needed him to do efforts for family because i literally get to the point I, I think it's because of the way my brain is and also that i do stand up where it's just like here's this joke it didn't work all right, I'll make fun of myself. Moving on. I don't have to stop and fix it. And I just think I'm just wired to just yeah. keep going. And the stopping and the, uh, what do they always say? Well, you know, right. Writing is rewriting. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah what, there's all these things like a hat on a hat or like whatever. You know, it's like all just, of that shit. And then I also hated like, it's like, all right, we need to do a rewrite. And we would go back and do a rewrite. And it's just like newest joke wins, not funniest joke. It's newest joke. So then you're pitching on a joke that already worked. It worked at the table read and everybody's, you know, sitting there and somebody throws some out and then it's fucking in there. And I would always be, you know, that was my one job. Be like, dude, this new joke is not as good as the old one. Yeah. I've never been in a writer's room, right? Like I never, I've never been in one. So like, I don't know anything but the Zoom writer's room. And I I wonder if I would not, I, I feel like I would not like the writer's room 
the actual writer's room because like people are sitting around like eating snacks and like, you know, like looking at the ceiling or whatever. Like Oh, taking least, the mental breaks. Yeah. yeah exactly. Here yeah. you're like locked in. You can't do much except right. look at this screen and get hypnotized by it, you know? So I kind of wonder if it gets weird when, or it's harder whenever you're in, an, in a room together with all the breaks. Well, overall, it was an awesome experience on Efforts for Family. And I learned how to write a script and I met all these great friends. It's just amazing these kids that we had that helped me write the thing. And, um, and then some of the older guys were like mentors and I watched like how they did it. And uh, overall it was good, but like, I, I didn't understand in the beginning when I first got in a writer's room that I didn't need, you mean, you're the showrunner, so you have to be, but I didn't realize like, I don't need to be thinking the entire time. Yeah. Every single, I can take a half a page off and I mean, I'm not going to, I can't leave the room, but I'm going to recharge. I, I kind of, this the late, great Mark Wilmore, I used to notice he would do that. He would just sort of sit there, yeah. almost like he was sitting on the bench. And he'd just have like his head down and stuff, sometimes with his eyes closed. And I was thinking like, man, is he sleeping? Like, what's going on? And all of a sudden his head would come up. And then I mean, was, I, you know, like those times are desperate on the room. I feel like whenever it's a Zoom room, because you have those moments where you're just like, for like 30 minutes of just like, can't figure it out, you know, like maybe an hour. I mean, like the worst was when we would end the day not figuring it out and had to leave and it was just left undone. That would nag at me. But sometimes we, that's a good thing. Walk yeah. away, you know, you even walk away like 12 hours, you come back. Some of the stuff looks like somebody else wrote it. Exactly. You got like a fresh idea. Well, that makes me feel good because I just, I just, you guys, when I went out there, made it look like, yeah, you know, we just sat down, you know, pitched it, wrote I it, shot it. <laughs> Yeah, try this. Try this. Uh... Well, by the way, I love. By the way, uh, your coach Bobson. Uh, I love the references that you gave me, which was like you know Barry Switzer, and I love that. Like I just love like because you know like you're a sports guy, but Oklahoma is OU, and you know especially like native people in Oklahoma, OU is a big deal. And I just grew up like you know every. OU game. It was the heyday, you know, of the 80s and like Brian Bosworth and stuff. Oh, when, yeah. I was a kid, when I was a kid, I had the Bosworth haircut and stuff. And like, uh, <laughs> I did. I was on the news one time for it. But like, you know, we would, my parents would go over to a friend's house and they'd be boozing. And I've never heard such yelling during the heyday of OU. We'd be playing or hanging out and a play would happen. And the room, just of like five or six people, would just erupt, and the, the windows would be shaking, you know. And it was just like, there's never been like as much excitement about OU football as, as in Barry Swift, but you know. And uh, it was also smaller, man. Barry Nobody Swift's in there could be like on their phone and looking oh, at no. all of this stuff. Like you just were like, everybody was just, it was everything was such a big deal. Yeah. Whatever you were Swift into, was king, though, Barry Swift was king then. You know, it was like, oh, yeah. Man. Like, who's the best? Yeah. Well, listen, man, I'm so happy for you guys over there. I'm so happy that you guys put me in and that you guys are making this show. You can stream it on Hulu. It's called Reservation Dogs. It's so great. They already renewed it for a second season. Uh, Sterling, thank you so much. And thank you for those great cigars you got me, too. Uh, I hope Coach Bobson comes back. It's some Coach Bobson. He's coming back. (laughs) All right. right, Good deal. Good deal. So all you guys listening, please check it out. Um, you can watch it, uh, I guess Monday it'll come out or midnight, Sunday night. Midnight, Sunday night. Yep. All right. Thank you. Thank you guys for watching the, uh, Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, Monday morning podcast. All right. Go for it. All right. It's Helix, everybody. Helix. 
Um, finding the right mattress can be a chore, but don't put it off. Sleep is important to your health. Helix Sleep Quiz, uh, sleep, oh, sorry, Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and your sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? With Helix, Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. Everybody's unique. Everybody's special. And Helix knows that. So they have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Gross. Uh, mattress is great for spinal alignment. Jesus, they're going to put chiropractors out of business to prevent morning aches and pains and even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size sleepers. All the big boys tired of falling out of the bed. they got a big mattress for you. So if you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress that you're matched to, and the mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. Just go to helixsleep.com slash burr. Take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights, risk-free. They'll even pick it up, gross, uh, for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix has, even has financing options and flexible payments plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com. That's helixsleep.com for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Just heard somebody bang the fucking hotel room upstairs. Maybe they're mad at me for being too loud here. All right. Uh, oh, Mac Weldon, everyone. You're a busy guy. So stop thinking about what to wear and just embrace the radically efficient Mac Weldon daily wear system. The daily wear system is a selection of clothes rooted in smart design made with performance fibers and built to work together. From breathable t-shirts and polos to stylish buttons up in shorts and beyond, Mack Weldon makes it easy for you to dress for work, leisure and play, and wherever your summer may take you. Uh, for the ultimate lazy Sunday, there's ace sweat shorts. Have modern tailing, uh, tailoring and perfectly... Uh, and Ace sweat shorts have modern tailoring and pair perfectly. Pair perfectly. Who, who talks like that? With their ultra soft, ultra upgraded Pima tees. P I M A, Pima. An easy, comfortable outfit for a day out on the golf course and out on the beach. For weekend travels, both near and far, what do you need? The silver knit polo and radius shorts. They cover your dick and balls the whole way around, the whole radius of your junk are the perfect high tech, highly packable combo. Um, buy some this summer with the Mack Weldon Daily Wear System. For 20% off your first order, visit Mack Weldon, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com slash Burr and enter the promo code Burr. That's MacWeldon.com slash Burr, promo code Burr for 20% off. Mack Weldon, radically efficient wardrobing. Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr and it's the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday, September 9th. Uh, 2013. Is that what year it is? 2013. Absolutely. It is. Um, how's it going? 
How are you? Did you have a good week? I'm fucking out of it because I had to get up at 5 o'clock this morning. And I had to do a bunch of phoners for uh, upcoming shows, you know, answering all the questions. Some good, some bad, some repetitive. But, you know, it's what you do as a professional. You answer them every time like it's the first time. So uh, how do you uh, how do you come up with your material? Is it something do you write every day or is it more spur of the moment? What strike what strikes you as funny? And then you got to go into it. Well, you know, I uh, used to write. Now I don't. I just got to fucking, you know, fucking teardrop coming out of your eye. But um, whatever. Whatever. So here I am. I'm fucking groggy. You know, what's, you know what sucks is I used to be a morning person. I really did. But granted, I also used to go to bed at like fucking 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. Because when I was a young fella, a little lad with orange hair. Running around the playground trying not to get the shit kicked out of me whilst bullying people smaller than me. That's how you did it back then. All right? You beat the shit out of me. I can't beat the shit out of you. I have this awful feeling. Oh, I'll take it out on that little kid over there smaller than me. That's the way it was done. It was the 70s. There wasn't social networking. Okay? People couldn't get all get on and be like, hey, sign this petition, man, and let's end the bullying. It wasn't. You just had to go to school every day and you fucking took it. And no local news reporter came down, and I didn't get to go on the fucking TV with my stupid freckle face, you know, lower bottom lip quivering as I tell the story of somebody who beat the shit out of me. Nobody cared. All right? That was it. So anyways, now I'm in this fucking business, so I'm not a uh, morning person. I used to have a paper route, everybody. I used to get up at the crack of fucking dawn, you know, jump on a bicycle, be pitch black out in the wintertime, freezing my fucking... Small balls off, prepubescent, how do you say that word? Fucking balls off, you know, nostrils sticking together. And nobody gave a shit. This is, this is back when a child did that job that nowadays an adult has to do the job. Either because the dollar is so fucking weak or because that Chris Hansen has everybody so paranoid that there's some pervert with his dick out behind every goddamn tree out there. That's why you got fat kids, right? Did I do a bit about this back in my fucking earlier stand-up days? I can't even remember. I'm so tired right now. But yeah, we used to do that shit. Parents didn't hover over children. Didn't have play dates, none of that shit. What it was was your mom fed you, and then there would be, you know, she'd get sick of you right around when, like, the game show started coming on, and then she would just open the door and just be like, your kids need to go outside. Go outside. And you just go outside. And there was other kids that were also banished to go outside. And then you'd link up. And then you just went about your business. You fought. You tied kids to trees. You threw fireworks at them. You, you played with matches. You threw shit in people's pools. You vandalized a new house that was being built. You know, sweet, innocent fun like Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. That's what the fuck you did. But uh, those days are all gone now. You keep kids inside. And you feed them. And you get them big and fat. That's what you do. Well, that was the bitter. You get them so fat that they're unfuckable. Right? Isn't that what it was? I can't remember. Well, what if there's a pervert who's into fat kids? You know, there's a lot of holes in my jokes this week, people. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, so anyways, I hope you guys had a good week. How great is it that NFL football's back? Da, 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 da. Um, I actually went to the, uh, the Denver Broncos... Um, who the hell did they play? The Ravens. 
So I get into this big uh, text battle with Paul Verzi. Paul Verzi's going like, uh, dude, it's a lock. Take Denver, given 10 points. It's a lock. Dude, I called it and all this type of shit, right? Typical Verzi. And I'm sitting there going like, Paul, it's the first week of the season. Nothing's a fucking lock. You have no idea, okay? You're throwing a fucking, I don't know, you're throwing a boat into the ocean, all right? <laughs> it's not even an expression. Um, but I like it, okay? If you can't do the math on that, I can't fucking help you, all right? Anyways, so he's telling me it's a fucking lock, and I'm just going like, you know, 10 points. I know Ed Reed's not there. I know Ray Lewis isn't there. They still got a defense. They still got Joe Flacco. They got Ray Rice. I mean, Ray Rice can eat up a lot of goddamn clock. And as good as Peyton Manning is, if he doesn't have the ball, what the fuck's he going to do? So uh, I, I and another thing that bugged me was everyone on ESPN was pick, picking the Broncos. Paul Verzi's picking the Broncos. Everybody I know is saying the Broncos are going to kill him. Like this fucking team wasn't just in the Super Bowl last year beating the 49ers. Getting 10 points. So I said, fuck it. I think the Ravens are going to win. Well, not win. I think that they're, they're, they're going to cover. And uh, the first half went exactly how I said it was going to go. Ray Rice was running all over the place, chewing up the fucking clock. Joe Flacco never looked good, but he was looking good enough. Defense had a big hit right in the beginning. And uh, things were looking all right. And then uh, the second half came. And it was just it was over. Broncos were like, all right, we can't run. Uh, let's go into a hurry-up offense. Joe Flacco looks like he hasn't thrown a fucking ball since the last one he threw in the Super Bowl. He's got his big contract. He got married. Let's say we uh, blitz him every other play and see how he deals with this shit. And they fucking didn't make any adjustments. And I sat there watching one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time have one of the greatest performances of all time, and I could not enjoy it just sitting there knowing that Paul Verzi was going to be right and I was going to be wrong. And I was literally sitting there fuming for like 24 fucking hours that the fucking Ravens had no answer to the Broncos halftime adjustments. The fact that I was fucking sitting there with Paul Verzi, I mean, with Jason Lawhead going like, dude, the Broncos can't run the ball. They should just fucking throw it now and throw it to the sidelines because he's fucking picking them apart. It's exactly what the fuck they did. I thought what's-his-face was going to settle down. Jesus Christ, Joe Flacco, I finally believe in the guy. Never believed in the guy. I know it's only one week, but he looked fucking horrific. So I'm not saying he's going to be horrific all year. But uh, anyways, long story short, I had a great time, and I really should have enjoyed watching Peyton Manning throw for seven touchdowns because that was a legendary performance in any era, even with the new rules of passing where you're just supposed to escort the fucking uh, receiver down the field and get out of the way when the quarterback underthrows him and shit. It was still an unbelievable performance, and I was actually had great seats. And uh, he threw a couple of fucking balls. like They looked like they were coming at our seats. And, you know, the receiver came back and caught him. You just got to see the speed of the NFL and how fucking accurate Manning was. It was amazing to watch it if I wasn't such a fucking grumpy cunt uh, during the game. Um. And I got to tell you, I, I actually enjoyed uh, watching the Patriots trying to figure out what we're going to do now on offense now that Gronk is hurt and Hernandez is uh, looking at some serious jail time. Uh, I don't know. I actually enjoyed watching them play the fucking Bills. 
I got to see a whole other level. I mean, that's what it's going to be this year. It's going to be uh, watching Brady do what he does best, which is make people around him even better. And that's what the truly great ones can do, you know? And that's why I have issues with some people that they say are great, but they're just individually great. They don't make people uh, better around them. In fact, they borderline annoy people around them, Kobe Bryant. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to name names. So, uh, I don't know. We shall see. This is going to be a tough season for, I think, the Patriots. I don't know, I don't know how good we're going to be this year. It is, it is early on, but, uh, but I'm all right with it. This is when you actually become a true fan. When your team is in a fucking lock. And uh, I like that that quarterback that the Bills had, E.J. Manuel. I like the fact that, was that his last name? I can't even remember. But the fact that the guy can fucking run. But uh, he didn't seem, like, he only ran as a latch, as a last, like, ditch. Like, I just got to fucking run. He seemed like he tried to use his speed more to stay in the pocket and throw. So uh, they look pretty goddamn good to me. And that's it for my boring-ass football talk. How'd you like that, everybody? How about a funny story, Bill? All right. How about the fact that I have a bruise on my back the size of a fucking softball? How'd you get that, Bill? Well, I decided to go hiking in the Rocky Mountains in the beautiful state of Colorado. I went up there with Rose Bowl legend Jason Lawhead. You know, we went up there like we were on a second date. Let's go on a hike. Do you like hiking, too? I'm so excited. So we decided to go on this fucking hike. And I'm nervous. Going into the Rocky Mountains, because I'm thinking they got bear, you know, fucking elk, barracuda, whatever the fuck they got up in there. You know what I mean? This is the real deal. This isn't like the fucking Hollywood Hills out here where, you know, I'm going to run into fucking Kevin Bacon before I run into any sort of fucking. (laughs) You know, I'm going to run into fucking Louis De Palma before I run into even a bobcat out here. That's all it is. Maybe Lee Majors. If he's in a bad mood, maybe he'll fucking throw something at me. That's the worst I have to worry about out here. These are the fucking Rocky Mountains. All right? These are the mountains that they create cause light with. This is the real deal. So um, we're going in there, you know, with nothing but fucking, you know, our workout clothes. I have no weapon on me. Everything is telling me this is fucking stupid. And... uh we're in Boulder, Colorado, which I'm telling you, man, Boulder, Colorado, arguably the best, the most in shape people I've ever seen in my fucking life. We were sitting there walking up this 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 hiking trail and we're all, you know, there's a part of me. I'm fucking nervous because I haven't gone up there. I'm with somebody who hasn't gone up here. This has all the makings of one of those Reader's Digest. I almost fucking died stories that they have in there. And all of a sudden this fucking lady. She had to be in her late 50s, comes running down the trail, people, not walking, running, wearing those sneakers that look like feet that are fucking annoying, but you have to look at them with a spring in her step. Like Walter Payton running on the balls of her feet, came running by, barely breaking a sweat, big smile, fucking glow in her face. Hadn't let life beat her down or anything. It was unbelievable. And I'm like, and me and Jay. At that point, we'd been in, we'd been in um, in Boulder for like three days. We did the show at the Boulder Theater. Did two shows that were fucking awesome, uh, unbelievable crowds, great theater. Uh, part of the Billy Red State tour, the rescheduled one, and everybody showed up, and uh, it was awesome. 
Uh, the next day we went to the Broncos game, and then this was the morning we were going to drive down to Colorado Springs. We were like, well, we got to work off all the booze we drank at the Broncos game. So we decided to go on this fucking hike, all right? All right, I'm back on track here. So we go into the into the wilderness with no weapons or anything. And, you know, I'm nervous. I mean, that lady running by made me feel good. But for half a second, I'm like, is she running from a mountain lion? Because people where I'm from in their in their early 30s can't run that fast. So we go up the hill, and uh, it's just amazing. It's fucking amazing. Like, it's so beautiful, you're, like, whispering. Like, oh, my God, look at those fucking, look at the view. Like, that type of shit, right? But I'm also nervous. Like, uh, I just got this feeling, like, I don't know. Like, I just don't want to get my face ripped off. I mean, call me weird. Call me a coward. I don't give a shit. Getting mauled is not on my bucket list, okay? That just sounds... So much worse than getting stabbed and shot because it, like, get, you get stabbed and shot for the, unless you get riddled or stabbed multiple times. For the most part, you have a wound, but it's it's in one area. One of your limbs hurts. The other three you can still use. You get mauled. That is just an all-encompassing, like, it's like you went through a paper shredder. All right? I, I, I don't need that. So we're, we're about half hour into the hike. And I'm like, wow, I'm a half hour into the Rocky Mountains with no fucking weapon. And my guide is a fellow stand-up comedian. <laughs> so we decide to sit down on these rocks. I'm like, let's sit down, just take a break because we're fucking winded. Because we're middle-aged guys. We're out of shape. And we're a mile high, right, in Denver or whatever, Boulder. So we sit down on these rocks. And I'm like nervous, looking around, making sure there's nothing deciding to fucking pounce on me. And all of a sudden, I hear a car drive by. And I'm like, what the fuck? And like 100 yards away, there's like a road. And then I looked over another 20 feet, and there was like a picnic table. So evidently, this fucking trail we were going on, this isn't like some deep forest shit. Like, we pulled off the road. Evidently, we, we could have just kept driving and gone all the way up to the top. So in the trail we're on, crosses the road a couple of times. So we're, we're totally fine for the most part. So I see the picnic table, and I point at it to Jason, and we just start fucking laughing because we're sitting down on these rocks like we're Lewis and Clark, and we're in the middle of nowhere, and we're fucking, we're right there. We're in the middle of civilization. Long story short, we get all the way up to the top. Um, we're standing on these rocks. We're looking down, actually looking down into, uh, was it Finley Stadium, whatever, where the, uh, the Buffaloes play. Absolutely gorgeous. We're so high up, we could see to Denver. The skyline in Denver, it was fucking awesome. So we start walking back, and uh, we're coming down the trail, and it's, you know, really loose kind of dirt. And we keep slipping, but we're all right, you know. We keep regaining our balance. And at one point, Lawhead slips to the point where I thought he was going down, and he was able to recover. You know, he was an athlete. And I said, I said, hey, that was nice. You can see, you you know, you played hoop yet. You got an athletic background. I said, had you been Joe DeRosa, um, I'd be carrying you down off the mountain. And we were sitting there laughing at Joe, right? Because that's the kind of friend I am. I throw my friends under the bus when they're not there to defend themselves. So wouldn't you know, karma comes back and bites me in the ass like a fucking minute later. I'm standing there taking a picture of something. And I go and I take a step or two, dude. And I'm telling you, it's like somebody took my legs out. I don't even know what happened. I just fell. And I landed on a rock like... 
first of all, my I, my elbow scraped first on my right arm, and it pushed my it like hyperextended, like I almost snapped my fucking humerus. And all I was doing was falling from a standing position down to the ground in the dirt. But there just happened to be this fucking rock there. Um, and I almost, and I, I think I would have broke it. But fortunately, the rest of my body hit the, the other part of the rock. Basically, just imagine jumping up in the air so you're horizontal and then just landing on the rock with like a baseball-sized part of your back. Dude, I, I wish I could recreate the, the fucking noise I made. Um, and, I, and that was it. I was just down, and I was down for like a good 10 seconds. You know like when, when somebody gets knocked out or knocked down when they're boxing and they kind of sit back up at four seconds, but they wait till the nine-and-a-half-second mark to fucking stand back up? That's what I did. And Lawhead was going like, dude, you all right? You all right? And I kept saying, yeah, and I wasn't. And uh, so I start walking down the hill. And um, I'm kind of laughing because I feel like a fucking idiot. But laughing at this point hurts because I guess you use those muscles in your back. And uh, I don't know, about 30 seconds later, Lawhead's going, yeah, dude, I can see blood coming through <laughs> through your fucking T-shirt. And, uh, yeah, it was gross. By the time I got down to the bottom, like, my fucking T-shirt was, like, stuck to my back. And, uh, you know, but it wasn't bleeding. Perf- it was more like the cut was more like a scrape because after I landed on the rock, I then slid down it. <laughs> so I lifted up my shirt, and I go, how bad is it? And I knew it was going to be bad because I knew what I did. And not to mention, I'm a pasty fucking redhead, and we don't bruise. We look like, you know, where somebody with pigment would look like they had a bad bruise. We look like we got bitten by, like, a fucking Mako shark. That's basically what I look like. Um, and, uh, you know, I shook it off. Went to the pharmacy, got some Neosporin, slapped it on my elbow, left it off the back, figured the back was fine. And then I went and I got a salad. And that was my fucking Denver story. How was that? So uh, my back has been killing me the last couple of days. And uh, it's weird. When I, The only time it hurts is when I go to stand up. I got to make a noise. I'll make the noise for you here. Let me see if I can get it. It hurts. Oh, of course, now it doesn't hurt. I think I did it. I freed it up. All right. That was a big, that was like Geraldo looking into that safe. Sorry about that. Um, anyways, let's get to some fucking advertising for this week, everyone. I know this is kind of a disjointed podcast this week because uh, I got up early. Where the fuck is it? Oh, for Christ's sake, Bill. Come on. Come on. Can we do this? All right. Dollar Shave Club, everybody. You know, there are so many things in the world that irritate me. Um, you know, slipping, falling on a rock, inconsiderate cunts. Uh, the fact that I have a motorcycle license, but I'm too scared to get one and drive one down the street. Well, actually, no. You know what? Considering what just happened to me from a standing position, I can't imagine going 40 miles an hour and falling on the tar. Um, that bugs me. Not being able to gas your own people. You know, what's the world coming to? Uh, when so many things can irritate you, why add razors to the list? It's time to stop milking your razor blade. 
I know with brand name razors, you're used to paying outrageous prices. And ex- so then you then exhaust those razors until they start to look like a rusty soda can. It's time to move on, everybody. Dollar Shave Club delivers amazing quality blades to your door for just a few bucks a month. Never think about it again. They send a pack every month so you can change your blades every week. Uh, I love these guys, and your face is going to love them too. They've always got a uh, fucking, come on, Bill. They always got a new product. Oh, they also got a new product called One Wipe Charlie's. It's a butt wipe for men, and it's classy, as opposed to those unclassy butt wipes. You know the ones I'm talking about. Check out the video for that and sign up for your racers today. Go to dollarshaveclub.com forward slash burr. That's dollarshaveclub.com forward slash burr. Or go to billbird.com and click the Dollar Shave Club banner. And uh, what's next? Hulu Plus, everyone. I'm sure you've tried Hulu.com, but I want to tell you about Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus lets you watch thousands of hit shows anytime, anywhere. Stream it on your TV or go with your smartphone or tablet. Why stand in line or ride a train and just stare at your feet? You could be watching your favorite shows on Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus is a great way to binge watch your favorite shows, too. Hulu Plus has tons of episodes from great comedies like SNL, Community, Modern Family, South Park, Family Guy, and thousands of other shows. Plus, it's only $7.99 a month. That's $7.99 for all the shows and movies you can watch. Catch up on current shows, binge on an old favorite, or catch a great movie. You can do it all on Hulu Plus. Right now, you can try Hulu Plus for a couple of weeks free on me when you go to the podcast page at BillBird.com and click on the Hulu Plus banner or go to HuluPlus.com slash Bill. Please make sure you use the HuluPlus.com banner. I mean, HuluPlus.com slash Bill link so you can get an extended free trial. And so they know that we sent you. Helps make us a little bit of money, right? Puts Fruit Loops on my table and gives you a great deal. One more time for extended free trial, HuluPlus.com slash Bill. What else do we got here? Um, yeah, that's it. That's good for the advertising for the moment. You know what I touched on there? I mentioned some of that serious stuff about them. Uh, so Theria. Are you Theria? Um, I mentioned that, uh, you know, What's the deal there that they got a little, uh, they're getting some shit there for gassing their own people. I don't understand that whole thing. If if you don't sign a treaty saying that you're not going to gas other people, or I guess maybe they did. I tried to figure out whether they did or not, and I got onto this colored map of the world where they had people who signed it, people who signed it and said to hell with it, and people who never signed it, and then people who sort of signed it. And there was all these colors and these graphs. I can't figure out if they signed it or not. But let's just say for the sake of the argument that they went to the Geneva Protocol in 1949 and they decided that they were going to sign that thing and they weren't going to gas people. Now, as far as how it's written, isn't it written that basically you're not going to get you don't gas our people and we won't gas your people. But is, is there anything in there that says you can't gas your own people? I'm not saying you can you should do it, but those are your people. Right? Like if I go out and buy myself a new outfit, you know, to show off my figure, there's nothing preventing me says I can't go out and go jump in a mud puddle, right? This is my fucking clothes. Now, if I take those clothes off and then throw them in some old lady's face, now now there's a problem. But if I just roll around in that mud puddle, I'm just doing damage to myself, aren't I? I don't fucking know. How dumb do I sound right now? Well, you know what? You're dumb too. Fuck you. It's a legitimate question. 
I don't understand why you can't gas people. You can't do that, but you can fucking firebomb cities and you can strafe people. You know, you can do area bombing. Oops, did that land on a nursery with babies? Why can you do that? You know what it is? I think it's too easy. It, I get it. Chemical weaponry, that's like the PEDs of, of mass murder. All right? Don't just send. That's what it is. Being able to gas people, that's like everybody gets their own ribbon. Okay, you know what? I worked it out. You don't need to write in. But if you want to write in, I'd love to talk about it. Something fucking different. Hey, did you see that, that story ESPN had that they ran with, I guess, very little facts, at least according to the very pissed off woman that I wrote. I read her little article about it. They were trying to claim that Bobby Riggs threw that match against Billie Jean King. Um, I'm showing my age here. I mean, I don't remember when this shit happened, but back in the 70s, they had the battle of the sexes. And Bobby Riggs, a former champion, 55 fucking years old. Plays Billie Jean King, 29, the number one seeded woman's player in the world at the time. And uh, he played her and he lost. And evidently that was some sort of big thing for women. That a woman in her prime could beat an old man at tennis. <laughs> so now somebody was trying to claim that it was fixed. It sounded like bullshit that he threw the match because it's saying that I guess he played the number two woman in the world and beat her handily. But there's a big difference between number two and number one, as you saw yesterday with uh, Serena and uh, what's-her-face that she played. They fucking battled for the first two sets, and then Serena just took over. was like, fuck this. You know what's so fucking hilarious about Serena Williams is when she's playing tennis, I swear to God, it's just... Like, she doesn't make too many noises, but she just looks like I would duck if she hit the ball, you know? It's like a fucking linebacker out there, right? But then the second she wins the match, she turns into a girl again. Like, oh, my God. She puts, like, her one hand up and starts waving, jumping up and down. Really girly-like. But when she's playing the game, I swear to God, it's like you could, she could fucking kill somebody. So she's playing this other lady. And I'm telling you, they were playing like dudes. There was some volleys. A couple times they went to the net, but pretty much they were just at the baseline, just power shots, fucking home run hits. I'll tell you, I was watching the Packers 49ers, and I started flipping over just to see, you know, I mean, how often do you get to see a legend playing? I mean, she went, she just won her 18th major, I think. So she's closing in on Steffi Graf. And then after Steffi Graf is that Australian broad. I forget her name. I know the guy. What is it? Not Stan Smith. Rod Laver. He's won the most of any guy. What the fuck's her name? Margaret or Meg. She's got some, one of those old people fucking M names. So she's closing in on her. So I wanted to watch a little bit of that. It was a fucking great match. How the fuck did I get on to this? But whatever. That You know, that that's always bugged me. That Bobby Riggs thing. When Billie Jean beat Bobby Riggs like that proved something. See, women in the prime of their life are just as good as men whose dicks don't really work anymore <laughs> and are in the early stages of prostate cancer. They can beat us at badminton, a faster game of badminton. So I don't know. So some, some woman wrote this article. You know, it doesn't matter whether it was fixed or not. It doesn't matter anymore. Like the problem with women is they actually give a shit what guys say. You got to be like guys. If you really want to become free of men, this is what you have to do. Two things. You have to stop giving a fuck what we say. 
you have to talk down to us more. And then what you have to do is you have to start your own shit. The problem with women, (laughs) how many am I pissing off right now, is you keep trying to join our shit. You know, we have a gym, we have the Water Buffaloes Club, and there's no women allowed. You should be like, great. Get the fuck out of the house. Go down there. The same way we would. Do you think we give a fuck that you have a women's only gym? Go down there. Do a double session. Get the fuck out of here. I don't care. Especially now with all these great ways of taping TV, you can watch all these fucking games. By all means, you know, beat it. Beat it! Right? You don't just get out of here. You guys, you got to start having that fucking attitude. Because that's, that's, that's the genius of guys. Is we act like we don't give a fuck about you. But we do. But we act like we don't. And we act like what we're going to go do, we're excited about it. And you guys drink that Kool-Aid and you actually think what we're doing is exciting. So you want to become a part of it. You want to join our dumb gyms, right? You want to join our fucking golf clubs because you think there's something going on that you think you're actually missing out on something. You're not. It's a bunch of stupid guys walking around scratching their dicks every other fucking sentence. Why would you want to be around that? I don't want to be about a bunch of women. Like I don't even know what you guys talk about. To me, it sounds like a bunch of birds fighting over a French fry. I don't want to listen to that shit. All right. I love how like I'm berating you guys out of fucking nowhere. I, I thought I, I thought I was beyond this in my life. Evidently, I'm not. Um. All right, let's plow ahead here, everybody. You know what I did this this week? I really watched the offensive line of the New England Patriots. That's what I did. And. uh I actually liked what I saw, man. I thought they were protecting Tom really well. And I think if you're a true if you're a true football fan, if you're a true fan of your team, you should know your offensive line to the point where you actually recognize them when they go down the street. You know? If you actually know what who what Ryan Wendell looks like or Dan Conley, Logan Mankins. Nobody knows these fucking guys. Nate Solder. I, mean, I don't know if they're saying their fucking names right, because you never hear them. You know why? Because they never get busted for holding. Sebastian Vollmer, right? I actually paid attention to the offensive line this week. It was the first time in 30 years of watching football, 35 fucking years. I actually noticed in the huddle how they're lined up, how the offensive line is lined up where they just turn right around. They're right in position. And it's like, of course they are, Bill, you dumb fuck. The clock is ticking. What do you think? They just all go into the huddle all willy-nilly? Is that because you never played organized football? I played for a few weeks. I actually played for a few weeks. This is kind of a sad story. And then Daryl Stingley got paralyzed. And uh, my parents got freaked out. And they, they uh... and actually, I got to tell you, uh, you know, they had the foresight to see what I was doing in my brain playing football. And they also saw my athletic abilities. So it's just like, you know, they were like, he's already kind of dumb. And uh, he's not uh, the most athletic person, so why would we want him to sit here smashing his head into another third grader's head? Let's have him play baseball. Take me out to the ball game. Hey, how about those Red Sox, huh? God damn it, I wish I was watching baseball this year. You know how excited I would be? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to jump on the bandwagon come October. I always watch October baseball anyways. I love it. Like, I don't know if they have extra microphones or whatever, but there's just the sounds of the ballpark is better. But, uh... You know, taking three out of four from the Yankees, that's pretty fucking impressive. And I and I really am kind of 
amazed at the fact that that trade with the Dodgers worked out for both teams. That's so rare in a blockbuster trade that it works for both people. That should have been, like, great for one team and horrific for the other, or it should have just sucked for both teams. Like, that's what usually happens in a blockbuster trade. It either works for nobody. Uh, Bill, you just said it. You don't need to repeat it. But very rare does it work out for, for both teams. I don't know why those superstars started playing for the Dodgers, but I'm glad they did. I've always liked the Dodgers. And uh, I'm glad that we uh, saved a bunch of fucking money and whoever the hell we have on our team is evidently playing fucking great. Could I say evidently one more fucking time on this podcast? Um, evidently I can. Um, let's plow ahead here. Um, oh, I was watching some great uh, YouTube videos last night. Um, I've become obsessed let me see. I, I don't even know his fucking name. It's great. I've become obsessed with him, and I don't even know his fucking name. Where the hell is it? Ah, for God's sakes. What the fuck is this guy's name? You know what? I, I, I just... This is, this is why, right here, I at some point need to bring somebody else into the fucking fold so I can actually... Where is it? Here we go. Put this on here. And then we hit mute so I don't have to pay any money for the fucking song. Where the f- God damn it. Oh, there it is. I've become obsessed with this drummer, uh, James Gadson. He basically, a lot of people, if you're a Bill Withers fan, I highly recommend downloading uh, Still, Still Bill. Uh, it's an incredible fucking album. Bill Withers is one of the greatest singers of all time. And I also think unbelievably underrated. As a singer. And uh, he's got this killer drummer, James Gadsden. And just, I don't know, that guy just doesn't get the uh, attention he deserves. So long story short, I started, you know, YouTubing him and watching him playing. There's not a lot of stuff on him. There's a lot of uh, videos and shit of interviews with him. And that led me to uh, one of those great YouTube runs where you don't end up on a slap fight. You actually start to learn stuff. And I came across this other drummer. Like Fred, Fred Bello, or I don't know how to say his fucking name, which led me to this concert film and Otis Rush singing "I Can't Quit You, Baby," um, that Led Zeppelin re- did a remake of called "I Can't Quit You, Babe," as opposed to "I Can't Quit You, Baby." So that's how they switched it up, and then that's why they never paid Otis Rush until they settled out of court. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, if they had to settle out of court with him. I know they had to do that a couple of times. But uh, Otis Rush, one of the greatest live singers I ever heard, and he plays guitar left-handed, and he doesn't string it. He plays a right-handed guitar upside down and did not string it the other way. He just plays it upside down, strung right-handed. And the only other guy I knew who did that was, uh, was Dick Dale. I didn't know there was someone else who did it, but he's fucking unbelievable. I'm going to send you a link to this concert film uh, on the podcast this week because you really should see it and should know about this guy uh, in case you don't know about him. And uh, and also, I want to know what concert this is, if anybody has any information on it, how somehow I can watch the whole concert because it's crazy. It starts with, you know, this older black dude who's like playing like boogie-woogie piano, and you see he's part of that generation and then it kind of leads into these guys who are more R&B guys. And it's right before uh, 
I don't know. It seems it's like right around that time, right as James Brown was coming out or whatever. But it's just a great period where people can actually play music and shit, play instruments and sing live. It's fucking awesome. And then they're playing, performing, of course, to this horrific white crowd that is just sitting there like their entire lives have been mapped out in front of them and they made no decisions and they have no passion in life. I don't know what it is. It's fucking embarrassing, but it's incredible concert footage. All right. I'm done running my fucking mouth. Let's go to... uh, Let's go to some of your questions and information this week. Uh, I got a ton of shit last week by saying a pork, a pork shoulder was actually the ass of the pig. I guess it actually is the shoulder. I guess a Christmas ham is the ass. Or you can eat it on Thanksgiving. Just say ham is the ass of the pig. So this guy says, Bill, I love your podcast. I'm a former butcher. And I wanted to correct you on your sh- smoke shoulder comment on yesterday's podcast. A pork shoulder is the front shoulder on a pig. The confusing part is they are also called pork butts. It's not the butt. The butt of the pig is the ham. Hope this helps. Um, Blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? Can you write back? Why do they call it a butt then? I have no idea. Why, Why do they call it that? All I know is it's fucking delicious. As is the ass of the pig. I eat the whole fucking pig. Wherever the fuck the bacon is. You know, that be do they have classes like that? Do they have a class that teaches you how to butcher an animal? In case, you know, whenever the dollar collapses and I'm out there. I mean, I know how to shoot a bow and arrow now. I know how to fucking gut a fish pretty well. But I'd like to know how to fucking shoot a wild pig. Hey, fuck this. I'm on the Billy Red State tour, people. I'm coming out to El Paso. I'm coming out to San Antonio. If anybody out there goes wild boar hunting, I want to do that shit. I want to do it, but I don't want to fucking kill one just for the sake of killing it. All right? I want to fucking kill it, clean it, do the whole fucking thing. You make me do all of this shit. Uh, I know animal lovers out there probably don't like it. I'm, I'm doing it not to do it all the fucking time. I want to have that skill. All right? I'm Basically, I'm slowly, I want to become MacGyver. I want to know how to, I already know how to shoot a fish with a bow and arrow, sort of. Okay? I know how to load a gun and shoot it, sort of. I got some vegetables growing around my house, kind of. So if I know how to take down a fucking pig and gut that fucking thing, it's got to translate to a goddamn deer, right? Sort of the same shit, I would think. And then all I need to do is get a helicopter license, and I'm good to go. I know how to ride a motorcycle now. You see what I'm saying? So you got fucking, if you have a helicopter... That, like, what I love about the helicopter is you, you just go right up. You can escape so easily. It's almost like you literally know how to fly. We're like, you know, with an airplane, you need that run and start. You know? I don't fucking know. But anyways, if somebody wants to take me wild boar hunting, I would fucking do that in a second. I go down to L.L. Bean and show up with my brand new I'm going hunting shit looking like fucking, you know, like those old Vietnam movies when you first get there and you you buckle your chin strap to your helmet, and then all the grizzled vet- veterans tell you not to do it because the concussive force of the shells is going to blow your fucking head off. That type of stuff. Bill, what are you talking about? I don't know. I want to shoot a pig. You know how fucking great that would be? Take that fucker down. Right? Take that fucker down. Clean it. Bring the fucking meat home and then smoke it on my fucking grill. How much of a man I would feel. Like, how much cowardice... I could fucking push down that I have. The pussy part of me would really be shut down, and I wouldn't have to listen to those voices in my head. And for a few minutes, I could actually act like I was actually a stud. 
Hey, fuck you. I have my dreams. You know? All right, whatever. 40 minutes in. Here we go. It's time to read some some of your letters. Uh, seriously, fuck your American sports. Another positive email here. Hi, Bill. Big fan. Got tickets to see you in London in December. Uh, I, I got to take a time out here. Uh, the response to uh, some of my shows, pretty much all of them over there, has been unbelievable in Europe. And I uh, can't thank you guys enough. Uh, we added a show in London, added a show in Helsinki. How crazy is that? And some promoter in Estonia just asked me to add. I'm not going to be able to do it this time, but I'm doing it next time. And uh, it's been unbelievable. So uh, I'm really, really excited to go over there. I'm going to, and this time, rather than just going there and landing and, uh, you know, being a zombie during the day, I'm coming over like three, three four days early to... Uh, get acclimated i'm gonna actually go to italy i haven't decided where yet but uh i'm just gonna go there and eat and uh i'm gonna try and see an opera when i'm there in some old opera house uh, i don't have too much time to go there i don't think i want to go to rome and go to the, see the roman Colosseum. i feel like that's going to Times square that's what i've learned in my travel you like you go to new orleans I guess you have to see Bourbon Street, but you really don't want to be down there. That's just a bunch of drunk tourists. What you want to go down is, uh, you know. You know what? I'm not going to tell you the cool places to go. You got to go there and talk to the locals because I don't want to fuck up the locals' good places to go. It's kind of like, you know, I stayed at one of the greatest fucking hotels I've ever stayed at when I was in Colorado. And uh, I'm not going to tell you guys where it is because <laughs> I don't want to ruin it. If you just... By dumb luck, discover it. It was fucking amazing. We stayed at this place. And for dinner, we had lamb and elk. And uh, it was this quiet town off the beaten path. And they had this little fucking bar that we went to. Where, like, the bartender wasn't even behind the bar. She was over sh in the middle of shooting pool, one of those kinds of things. And for the first time in my life, like, country music made sense. I finally realized, I knew Willie Nelson was good. I didn't know he was that good. All right? And I went up to the fucking jukebox, and I just started every fucking legendary country guy that I knew. You know, I threw in a couple of fucking rock songs or whatever, but, you know, Merle Haggard, all these guys. And I, and I wouldn't pick, they'd have their greatest hits. I wouldn't go off that. I'd go off, I'd pick a different album and pick like the third track rather than the first track because I usually lead with the radio hit. I wanted to hear something different, dude, and I fucking loved it. So, uh, but then what was weird, I got to L.A. and I tried to download some Willie Nelson and it didn't feel the same way, you know? So I'm going to download some fucking, some of that shit for my drive from El Paso to San Antonio this week, uh, playing El Paso on Thursday. And then San Antonio on Friday. Uh, there's still some tickets left in El Paso. I mean, they picked a really big place because uh, it was either play a little place. Or there was they, they didn't have the middle ground one. So we just picked a big place. I don't know if they're going to close out the balcony or whatever, but there's definitely tickets left. Um, but then after that, I drive down to San Antonio. Listen to this fucking amazing week. And then Saturday, I'm hanging around. And I'm going, me and Verzi are going on, a couple other buddies. We're going to go to the uh, Texas A&M-Alabama game. Going to go see Johnny Football go up against one of the great fucking 
college football teams. I mean, the, the run that Alabama's on is fucking insane. Being an LSU fan, it fucking annoys the shit out of me. But uh, you, you can't not appreciate it. So we're going to go to that game, and that's going to be our week. So uh, anyways, so I'm trying to do more of that type of stuff when I do the road. And as a comic, it's great because you get excited to go on the road when you plan shit like that. And it, if you're excited, you don't dry up. You don't start hating your act. And you don't end up like just saying fuck it and hosting a game show. Not to say there's anything wrong with that. And not to say that I would never host a game show. That, that might become a point in my fucking career where I just can't do it anymore. And I'll go on and I'll fucking host Card Sharks. The new Card Sharks with Bill Burr. All of it higher. You're going to risk all of it. Here we go. I mean, that could be fun. You know what's great about being a game show host? You know you got a fucking fat-ass fucking house with an in-ground pool. And at that point, who gives a shit? Right? And every fucking woman who comes on the show, they fucking, they, 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 I don't know. They make you feel special. Oh, my God. I watch your show every day. Fucking kiss you on the cheek. Or you can be a pervert like Richard Dawson and kiss him on the mouth. Remember him? Uh, who knows? I might do that when I get a little older. But I still got some fight in me. All right? This business hasn't dragged me in the boat yet. I'm on the hook, without a doubt. They're reeling me in, but I'm not on the boat yet. They haven't, they haven't fucking clubbed me yet. So, um... Yeah, so that's my thing. I'm going to go to fucking Italy, and I'm going to go see an opera. Bring a little fucking handkerchief there and hope I actually it moves me rather than sitting there going like, dude, I don't get what they're talking about. Why is he so fat? Dude, that skinny chick would never hook up with that fat guy. I don't want to be that dude. So anyways, let's get to the question here. Uh, I'm in the U.K. I listen to your podcast, and I hear the names of these little teams and games that you have uh, that you have there. So last night... I'm going to bed, and I'm, I've been slowly growing this tiny amount of gambling money, just small change, just for, just for fun, and I thought I'd drop, it on a, I'd drop it on a banker that was played while I slept, and I have a little bit of interest in the morning. Okay, this guy, I like this guy. He's, he's doing his little train spotting slang here, and I'm trying to figure it out. Drop it on a banker means you want to put money on the game. So you're putting up money on a game overseas, and while you're sleeping, you're going to wake up and see if you made any money or not. Wow, dude, you just took gambling to a whole other... You're a fucking international gambler. Dude, do you have, like, a fucking white tuxedo that you get up and put on, like Roger Moore? That's kind of fucking fun. That's actually, you know, for people who have a serious gambling problem, they probably didn't need to know that, because the only time a serious gambler's not gambling is probably when he's going to sleep. This motherfucker is in so goddamn deep, he figured out a way to do it. I commend you, and I also feel bad for you, sir. That's fucking amazing. So anyways, he goes, I went to my bookmaker's the bookmakers site and saw the Yankees beating the Red Sox 8-3. to three. They were giving odds on the Red Sox 9-1 to one in a two-horse race and a 1-100 to 100 on the Yankees. So I put the equivalent of $30 on the Yankees and thought, ah, fuck, it's an extra 30 cents I'll have in the morning. So wait a minute. You're, you can bet on a game that's already going. So it's 8-3. to three. Dude, why wouldn't you have taken the fucking... Oh, you did take the Yankees, right? Wait, the Yankees were beating the Red Sox 8-3. to three. 
I gotta, I, I'm dumb, people. I got to work this out. They were giving odds on the Red Sox 9 to 1. Okay, so you got to put up 900 bucks to make 100 at that point or $9 to make one bill. They took out the zeros. They tried to make it easy for you. And then the Yankees, you throw down a dollar, you can make 100 So you said, fuck it. There's no way the Yankees are going to lose. And let's see, you could have made 30 cents. You put down, what, 300 bucks? Is that how it works? Or did you put down three, three bucks? You put down three bucks, you cheap fuck. You bitching about three bucks? Ah, fuck, I don't know what's going on in this. So anyways, he said, what, what the fuck sort of Mickey Mouse bullshit team are the Yankees to fuck that up so bad? It's brutal. Losing 30, oh, 30 bucks. Losing 30 bucks trying to win 30 cents. Dude, the math doesn't... Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, okay. Mate, 30 cents. Imagine, I could be fighting in a war alongside you guys with a bag of live hand grenades on my back. Yeah, dude, I don't know how you made the leap from, the leap from fucking uh, that game <laughs> to fighting in a war. I don't know. What kind of fucking asshole goes to sleep trying to make 30 cents? Serves you right, you cheap fucker. You should have bet the underdog. Wait, you did. No, you didn't. You bet the favorite. Well, you know what your deal is? You guys overseas, all you know is the Yankees. The same way over here, all we know is, uh, what the fuck are they? Uh, uh, Man United. That's the only team we know. I mean, I know some of the Arsenal uh, or Arsenal. I don't know. There's Liverpool, but I don't know what they're called. I just know Man United. Manchester United. That's all I fucking know. And you know what? I don't like them because they're shits over here. And they're like the fucking... I, I don't know. I don't, want, I don't like the team that everybody likes. You know, fuck them. So I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry you lost $30 trying to make 30 cents. Would that even buy you half a fucking cup of tea or whatever the fuck you're going to do over there? Buy you one chip for your fish and chip fucking breakfast? Um, anyways, but either way, dude, thanks for uh, buying tickets to the uh, the London show. Uh, like I said, it really is humbling to, to have that, if I can use that fucking phrase without getting trashed. It really is that people over there give a shit and want to come out. So I hope I'm funny. Um, all right, Ken Burns. Dear Billy Boy, I heard you talking about the Ken Burns documentary recently and wanted you to turn, on, turn you on to one of his documentaries that I have yet to see but I hear is great. Um, and for those of you who haven't been listening the past few weeks, I've been slowly, when I have the time, getting through uh, Ken Burns' The War. It's all about World War II. I think I'm through five episodes it's a seven-part series, and it is absolutely fucking incredible. The footage, I think a lot of the footage, like, they, they wouldn't show for the longest time. Like, they, he really shows the uh, – it's it's not a propaganda film, put it that way. It's It's an absolutely astounding thing to watch. It's so amazing, it's actually caused me to – I'm starting to read. Not only read, but read about the war and – for a dummy like me to actually want to go out and start reading books. Um, although I had to take a break because it was so fucking heavy, some of the shit. Uh, then right now I'm reading uh, that guy from Ministry. I'm reading his autobiography. And if uh, you want to feel better about some of the choices you've made in life, like maybe you, you think, ah, I'm a piece of shit. I did this. I did that. I partied too much. You got to read this guy's book. You're going to feel like you don't have any sort of substance abuse problem. I'm not shitting on the guy. The guy's a fucking genius. Um, and I'm totally late to the party when it comes to great music from the 80s. I listened to so much shit music in the 80s. 
And uh, I completely missed out on all this amazing stuff that was going on, ministry being one of them. And what's funny is the song that I like the best, he hates and says he hates it because the people who like it are like people who are into metal. Uh, it's stigmata. I fucking love it. And I like it because it sounds like a metal song with all this in, in, industrial shit going. I don't even know anything about it. He would cringe if he heard any of this. But I actually had to put the book down and started laughing because he totally called me out as I'm reading the book. Uh, he was saying that it was just a throwaway song. But anyways, it's on this album called uh, The Land of Rape and Honey, which is, a, it was, I guess, is a fucking classic. And I never heard anything about it because I was listening to Motley Crue Theater of Pain when that came out. <laughs> um, so anyways, so he says, uh, let me get back to this. So he says, Ken Burns has another great documentary. By the way, I'm watching all, I'm watching all of Ken Burns' documentaries uh, on Netflix. Uh, I've, I'm doing Civil War next, but this guy's actually suggesting, uh, he's, uh, there's a new one called uh, Prohibition. He goes, I haven't seen it yet because I'm in the middle of a book about prohibition, but I find the whole subject fascinating, not only because it talks about how the majority of the working class were drunks, but it gets all into the politics and cultural issues associated with drinking back in the day and how the breweries changed America. Also, America. Also, there are many similarities to the whole weed movement we see nowadays. Uh, did you ever find yourself in a dry county or a state where you can't find uh, beer in the grocery store? Well, some of our alcohol-related laws can be traced back to prohibition and the crazy shit that caused it. Our drunken forefathers, uh, you know what's funny, dude? You're just like me. You spent, you spelled forefathers, F-O-U-R, as in one, two, three, four. Isn't it F-O-R-E? I don't fucking know. Uh, our drunken forefathers would get out of their industrial jobs at the end of the day, look to decompress a bit, and stay in pubs all night. Soon enough, these guys started bringing home STDs to their wives and banging all the whores that also stayed in the pubs all night. Their wives started getting upset and fast forward a bit, and then you have prohibition. Some guys just ruin it for everyone. Really? Well, I knew it kind of came out of the church. Uh, I didn't know that. I just heard somebody say that, and I took it as law. Um, thanks for the heads up. And thanks to everybody. Seriously, when you guys write in, you actually have, I know we fuck around a lot of this thing, but when you have something that, that will actually make you a more informed person or actually it's a great piece of entertainment, please send it my way because I would like to do, rather than just give out bad advice to you guys, I would like to actually try to make your lives a little bit better on some, on some level. And you know what? Here's a great way to make your lives better, people. Legal Zoom. Oh, what a segue. Snuck that one in on any... Snuck that one in on you, didn't I? Can you tell I've been up since 5 in the morning? I can't even talk. Uh, a lot of pride. Legal Zoom, everybody. A lot of pride comes along with starting your own dream business. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Legal Zoom. But think about the stress you feel if you don't take the right steps to legally protect your business and personal assets from the beginning. That's why I, William Burr, recommend LegalZoom.com. During the past 12 years, over a million businesses, business owners have trusted LegalZoom to help start their business. LegalZoom will save you a lot of time and money. Not only money, a pile of money on startup costs. Plus, they'll provide solutions to help you run a successful business. LegalZoom can provide self-help services at your specific, at, yeah, your specific direction or connect you with an attorney. But they are not a law firm. 
just to let you know, just go to LegalZoom.com today to see what uh, to see what's right for you. Form an LLC, get a DBA, incorporate, or form a nonprofit, all starting at just 99 bucks. Plus, you'll save even more when you enter Burr, B-U-R-R, in the, refer- in the referral box at checkout. That's LegalZoom.com, promo code Burr. One more time, LegalZoom.com, promo code Burr. Um, is that it? Oh, no, I missed one here. E-voice, everyone. If you're, an entrep- if you're an entrepreneur and a customer calls, do you want to seem like you're in a high-rise window view? Let's start this one again, shall we? Let's give eVoice the read they deserve. eVoice, everybody. If you're an entrepreneur and a customer calls, do you want to seem like you're in a high-rise window view fancy pants office? Or do you want them to know you're sitting in your underwear? I think that's an easy one, right? With your eVoice, you can create the appearance of an entire building. Sales, customer support, tech support, you name it, it's going to seem like you have it. Give your customers the royal treatment with eVoice. eVoice will forward business calls to your home, mobile, or any number you choose. Wherever you are, eVoice will find you. Don't have time to take a call? No problem. It's routed to your voicemail, and you can read it at your convenience as an email if you like. eVoice not only gives you an edge over your competitors, it takes away the edge the big companies have over you right now. And now you can try eVoice for free for 30 days, one whole month, unless it's a month of 31 days. But they make it up in February. Go to eVoice.com and use promo code Bill. B-I-L-L, that's eVoice.com, promo code Bill. Or just go to the podcast page at BillBird.com and click on the eVoice banner. And there you go. Those are the ads for this week. All right, let's get back to some of your questions here or your information. Um, Harry situation is what this one is called. All right, what are you guys thinking? Harry situation, he either did something he shouldn't have done and he's waiting for the other shoe to drop. Or uh, he hooked up with a beautiful girl who's going, oh, natural. All right. Hey, Bill, funny show. Great. That's what he just started with. No punctuation whatsoever. Hey, Bill, funny show. Great. All right. Maybe this guy's from overseas. Or maybe he's down south and you can make it there by land. Who knows? He goes, I have a question for your MM podcast. My girlfriend, who I have lived with for the last seven years, is starting to constantly ask me to shave my chest. Oh, I went the other way. Oh, you went the other way. Um, I'm pretty hairy. But not fucking Chewbacca, Harry. Just mainly my chest. This is not a problem, but sometimes she won't have sex with me until I do. Whoa. All right. That's, that's, uh, okay, that's red flag number one for me. Unless you're, you're not perceptive as to uh, how hairy your chest is. Uh, it can take over an hour to, properly, to do properly, and sometimes I can't be fucked after a hard day's work. So I just rub one out. I know times change because in the 70s, Harry was sexy. But now every pop star is starting to look more like a woman. I swear, Justin Bieber is prettier than half the women I've banged. What do you think? Um, yeah, that whole manscape looked, I guess, is, is supposed to be in. I have no idea. But um, I find it odd. I don't find it odd that you're... you're Girlfriend is asking you to, uh, you know, maybe trim down your chest a little bit. But the fact that she won't even have sex with you, um, I don't know. What happened? Did some pervert with the fucking 
full full chest of, of hair fucking lay down on top of her and do something to her like that's kind of weird to me like how do you think she would feel if you were like hey can you uh i don't know trim up here or there or i literally can't have sex with you that's kind of fucked up she's really making you jump through some hoops there um so you're either way hairier than you're letting on i i get women being grossed out by back hair you know, especially those guys who have it, like, up on their shoulders. And then they just have, like, the two patches just above the kidney and just below the shoulder blade. There's those two, like, they got, I don't know, like they got hugged by someone who jerked off too much. <laughs> um, I would sit down with her and just be like, listen, I'm not going to say I'm not going to fucking shape my chest, but it's kind of weird to me that if I don't, you don't even find me sexually attractive. I mean, what are you, are you having sex with my chest or are you into me? I mean, I can see if this is a one-night stand. You're like, listen, I'm into this. I'm not into that. Do this, do this, and for the love of God, shut the fuck up. All right? And you have your little grocery list on how you need, what you need me to do to get you there. I get that. But if I'm in a fucking relationship with you, you know, that's, that's kind of a... But, you know, you didn't really even ask that. I don't even know what the fuck you asked me. Um... It takes you an hour to do it. Don't they have like those fucking things you can just kind of, I don't know, that's weird. That's fucking weird to me. I would, I would, I, that would be my biggest concern. I would be asking her like, what, the, you can't even have sex with me? I, I, you know what, I understand on your face because some women have sensitive skin, you know, and you know, if you're on top of her missionary style, <laughs> you know, pumping away. If you're out of shape and you're laying your head right down next to her. <laughs> they can get a little razor burn on the side of their face. I understand that. If you have like <laughs> you have like a beard. Or if you have whiskers, I, I, I fucking get that shit. Can I just do that again? Well, no, I'm not going to do it because some people, that might hurt your fucking ears. Um, I understand that. But chest hair? Why don't you why don't you come up with like a, a, a compromise? Be like, all right, how about if my chest is too hairy, we still bang. I just do it doggy style. I promise after I get to where I need to go, I won't collapse down on top of you, making you feel like, you know, Burt Reynolds just got out of the pool and is using you to towel off. I won't do that. Okay? Maybe you could do that. Or just sit down with her and just be like, listen, I'm not trying to be a dick here. What is your issue with hairy chests? And because uh, it's, you know, I, you know, it's funny. I'm getting more weirded out by it by than you are. I'm probably putting bad ideas in your head. So I'm just going to shut the fuck up. Um, all right. Military history. Oh, this is a great one. Hey, Grateful Red. Ah, I love it. Just when you think they've run out of creative ways. Ah, that's a good one. Uh, the past couple of shows you mentioned you enjoy reading about World War II. Just wanted to give you a couple of recommendations. First, I'd like to mention, uh, oh, before he gets going, I, I read that book, uh, Flyboys, which I swear to God is not about boy bands. It was by, I forget who wrote it. Uh, Jesus Christ, I'm the worst. The same guy who did Flags of Our Fathers um, wrote the same thing. Anyways, the past couple of shows you mentioned, blah, 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 books on World War II. Going to give you a couple of recommendations. First, I'd like to mention Dan Carlin's pod podcast, Hardcore History. I'm telling you, it's right up your alley. Dude, good call. I'm listening to that. He's covered many aspects of history from the Bronze Age to the relatively modern age. 
If he can make the Bronze Age, which I don't even know what that is, like uh, I, I can't deal with, you know, the only people I can really read about from way back in the day, which is basically anything before Cowboys and Indians, is you have to be a mass murdering psychopath. Like I can read about the, the Inquisitions uh, or the Inquisition. I don't fucking know if it's plural or not. I can read about that, Genghis Khan. Or I can read about um, Attila the Hun, you know, basically the original Scarfaces. I can read about those guys. and uh, But other shit, you know, ancient medieval history and the fucking Lilliputians were going up against the fucking uh, Persian Empire. I don't fuck. I, I don't know. I can't deal with that shit. Um, so if he can make that ex- interesting, I... I don't know. Maybe I could listen to enough of it and actually sound intelligent. Who knows? So anyways, he says, uh, but I suggest his series, Ghosts, Ghost of the, the, what is that? Ostfront? It's the mind-blowing but little talked about conflict between the Russians and the Germans. Yeah, they really do skip over that. Um, in fact, a lot of few people who don't live in this country, a lot of what they talk about in World War II, they do talk about Pearl Harbor which set the whole thing off, but there's very, they don't talk even about the Japanese that much. The kind of Pearl Harbor, uh, they were winning at first, Battle of Midway, and then we're dropping the two fucking bombs, and that's it. And then you watch Jaws and you hear about the Indianapolis, right? 600 men go in the water, 300 collapse, show me the way to go home. And that's all you learn, right? But they mainly talk about fighting the Germans and mainly D Day. Basically, from France going right into German concentration camp, Schindler's List. All right? Hitler kills himself in the bunker. Game, set, match. Wipe your hands of it. All right? Then we're immediately into the Cold War. But they also ignore, you know, fighting the Germans in in, uh, Africa, uh, fighting the Italians in Italy there, and how we went about it and all the stuff that happened and... uh, and then they certainly don't talk about all we hear about the the Russians is basically they just retreated and they drew them in. And then when the winter came, they just mercilessly hacked them to death all the way back to fucking Berlin. That's all we hear. I didn't know that they were just. First of all, as they were retreating, they were blowing up their own bridges and dams and just. Scorch the scorched earth thing that they did literally destroyed their own fucking country so there was nothing there for the Germans. It was fucking brilliant and absolutely fucking ruthless. I would love... You know what? That's something I'm going to do on the road. Thank you very much. What a wonderful suggestion. I got two there. Do you know what's great about those? Both of those will make me more informed and hopefully a better person. Look at you guys, paying it forward. Maybe I can uh, give somebody some good advice here. Well, let me just continue here. It says, incidentally, I discovered your podcast because of him. He was a guest on the Joe Rogan Experience, and I started listening to Joe Rogan regularly, which led me to your glorious show. Oh, isn't that great? Yeah, Rogan's done a lot for me. He really has. When he hyped that um, that Yoko Ono thing I did, that thing was like a year old. And then he talked about it, and then that was it. There was like a zillion people. He's like the, He has like Oprah Winfrey-level power. Like, remember when Oprah Winfrey said, hey, man, I don't think you should be eating red meat anymore. And all of Texas declared war on her because she had that level of power. That's what Rogan is in, like, 
the podcast world. If that fucking guy says, hey, check out this thing, all of a sudden, like, it gets a million hits. So uh, I got to do something for him. What, 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 do you, what do you get? What do you get for Joe Rogan? I should buy him a new pair of mitts. You know, buy him his, his fucking vitamins for the week. Some sort of workout shit. Nah, nah, nah. He has all of that stuff. I got to go against the grain with Joe Rogan. What should I? You know, I'd buy him a nice sun hat. <laughs> you know, really thoughtful gift. Like, Joe, I know you have every, everything that involves choking somebody out or ending their life if they fuck with you on any level. You know? Bob on a nice sun hat. Has anybody done anything to help keep the sun out of that wonderful man's eyes? I don't think they have. And I think he's comfortable enough with himself that he could accept the unbelievably awkward, intimate moment of me handing him that hat. You know what? Next time I do his fucking podcast, I'm bringing him a nice sun hat. You know? I don't know. He might have a convertible. Who knows? Is there such a thing as a sun hat? Is a sun dress? Did I just invent a new fucking hat? There you go, people. Right there. Look at me creating a whole new business. Creating jobs here at the Monday Morning Podcast. Either way, listen to the Joe Rogan experience. And when you're done doing that, by the way, uh, me and Al Madrigal and some other uh, wonderful people have started the All Things Comedy Network. If you like this podcast, if you'd like to have a nice, incredible, wide variety of podcasts to listen to, I suggest you go to the All Things Comedy Podcast Network and... Uh, have a listen. Harlan Williams, Tom Papa, uh, Baron Vaughn, Tom Segura uh, with the, the fucking uh, we got all kinds of people. Your mom's house podcast. You would think I would have him in front of me. Minivan men. There's all kinds of great one. Harlan's Highway. All right. Here we go. From a lady. Hiya, Bill. Hiya, kid. Uh, lady listener here. I have two questions in one email. I hope that's all right with you. Well, absolutely. I'm just psyched that a woman actually is listening to this podcast and wants to contribute. I've been asking you guys, borderline begging you, you know, to get out of the kitchen, figure out how a computer works and send me an email. But you just, you know, you're too busy making a sandwich for the man in your life, which is what you're supposed to do, you know. But, you know, every once in a while, don't be afraid of the computer, ladies. Um... <laughs> All right, lady, listen, okay, the, the two questions. The first one is about marriage. I'm just wondering, how, how do you feel about it? I'm only 18, and seeing what it is doing to my parents recently is making me not open to the idea in the future. Um, all right, well, this is the thing. Just because your parents don't seem to have a happy marriage doesn't mean that you can't, all right? I think uh, if you go into to being mar married for the right reasons, and if you're... Uh, you're mature enough, which I've never have been. And I've been a fucking complete piece of shit with women and all that type of stuff. And I've been an asshole. As your 20s are coming up, um, you know, as your 20s are coming up, you know, you're going to meet some people that you're going to look at and that you're going to feel like you have a heart attack and, don't fucking walk away from it. Go up to that person. Just because your parents maybe haven't found true love doesn't mean you can't. And, you know, you can find true love. And then if you work at it and you do the things you're supposed to do, what you'll learn naturally as you get older, you can have a great time. You know, is there anything better than seeing like two old people sitting together and you can see they still have that connection? 
and they got to they literally enjoyed life together. Well, I wish I knew when I was younger how important that was. You know, I'm finally starting to see it through all of my fucking horrific mistakes that I've made in that category. But like, uh, um, I think you should be open to it. You should be open to you're 18. You should be open to things. I'm not saying drug use and being promiscuous and that type of thing. Smart shit. I mean, uh, finding love, you should definitely be open to. Not happy, particularly your parents. And you're like, this just seems like a lot of work to just be miserable. Um, that doesn't mean you have to be miserable. All right. There you go. So that's your first one. All right. My second question, she says, is about how and when one should introduce a significant other to parents. Um, just to give you more information, my boyfriend's 21 and in the last year of college. We've been together for about a year and five months. All right. That's some scary math there, depending on what state you're in. Uh, <laughs> every time I'm going to hang out with him or have a sleepover at his house, I've been making up an excuse like I'm going to a concert that ends really late, going to stay with a friend. I can't seem to work up the nerve to tell either my mom or dad. I am more worried about my dad because he's a fucking big mouth. The whole family would know by the end of the night. When he's drinking on weekends, he likes to bring up conversations just to work on people's nerves in the house. I don't want my boyfriend to be the topic in the house for my dad to get on my nerves with. So do I just go with the if it ain't broke, don't fix it route and keep making shitty excuses until they either find out on their own or I move out of the house? Or do I just work up some balls here and tell them that I have a boyfriend? Well, they're going to find out eventually. And when they find out, you're not going to have control over the situation. So um, I kind of got lost there. Will you, you make up excuses to your parents or to your boyfriend? Let me go back here. My second question is, how, about, how do I introduce my boyfriend to my parents? Okay. Every time I'm going to hang out with him or sleep over his house, I've been making up an excuse. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Uh, this is what I would do. They... Are probably the more you say I'm going to another concert that's going to end late, they're going to figure it out. How do you introduce your parents uh, to your boyfriend? I would just I would do this. I wouldn't say shit to your parents, other than I have a boyfriend now and I want to introduce him to you guys, and I would leave it at that because your parents are your parents and they're going to behave how they behave. And then what I would do is I would give a pregame speech to uh, to your boyfriend. And be like, look, I love my parents. They're a little bit nuts. And this is the thing, too. You're probably going to overreact. You know, you'd like the fear you have of what they're going to do is going to be so much bigger probably than what they're actually going to do. It's because they're your parents. You want their approval and you fucking hate them all at the same And it's going to be like uh, just walking into a store. Like, hello, sir, can I help you? Yes, I'd like that shirt. There you go. That'll be nine ninety five. Thank you. Goodbye. It's going to be at that level. A little bit more. Um, it's just going to be nice. They're just going to be exchanging niceties. Okay? That's what I'm predicting is going to happen. And then what's going to happen is when, he, when your boyfriend leaves, he's going to tell you how nice your parents are. Because why wouldn't you? And then that's probably going to annoy you on some level because you're going to be like, no, they're fucking assholes. You haven't had to live with them, so don't do that to him either. Um, 
I would take control of the situation and just introduce them. Um, and if they ask how long you've been seeing them, you know, when you first say, hey, I want you to introduce, I want to introduce my boyfriend to you. And if they ask how long you've been seeing him, I don't know, your dad drinks and he says shit. You might want to lie about that. I don't know. I'll fuck him if he does. Don't lie to him. Say about a year and five months. And if they say, well, why haven't you brought him around? Just be like, well, dad, because you have a tendency to get drunk and talk about everybody's business. And it was really uh, made me nervous. That's why I didn't. You can't fuck with the truth. What's he going to say to that? I don't get drunk and say all that type of shit. I guess he could be in denial. I don't know. At some point, you know what you have to do. You got to like, you, you got to man up or woman up and you just have to live your fucking life. And you just have to understand that you, your parents are your parents. They're fucking awesome, but they're just people. And you just really have to, uh, in a, in a healthy way, not give a fuck what they think anymore in a healthy way. Okay. I don't mean like, like I said, go out and start doing drugs and being a fucking idiot. Um, you should always care about not bringing shame to your family name. But, like, as far as that other stuff, like, I wanted you to be a doctor, but you're going to fucking, I don't know, open your own bakery. That I'm so disappointed. Well, be disappointed, okay? Because I don't want to fucking sit there vacuuming out somebody's ass or looking at somebody's toes or working on a brain, whatever the fuck a doctor does. <laughs> I want to make Pop-Tarts, all right? That's going to make me happy. If you can't accept that, then uh, I don't have to tell you. All right, people, that is the podcast for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, here's the big old wrap-up here now that the show is over. Don't forget to sign up for your uh, – well, before I do the wrap-up, let me uh, let me hype some of my gigs. Like I said, I'm going to be at uh, – I'm going to be in El Paso this Thursday night, San Antonio Friday night. The following weekend, I'm going to be in West Virginia, Pittsburgh at the Heinz Theater, and then I'm going to be up in Toronto, Ontario. At the Just for Last Festival. And uh, the week after that, I'm going to be doing uh, two shows at the prestigious Chicago Theater in where else? Chicago, Illinois. That's what I got coming up. All right. Then I know I got a San Jose, Seattle, Arizona run in the beginning of October. That's it. All right. Okay. There you go. That's the podcast. For this week, if you like my comedy, please download my special off my podcast, off my, I'm sorry, off my website. And if you'd like a hard copy version, you can also get that. It makes a wonderful gift, especially for someone that you don't really give a shit about, but you have to get him a gift, give him a fucking DVD. All right, here's the wrap up, everybody. Now that the show's over, don't forget to sign up for your free trial of Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus lets you binge on thousands of hit shows anytime, anywhere, on your TV, PC, smartphone, or tablet. Support this podcast once again and get an extended free trial of Hulu Plus when you go to the podcast page at BillBird.com and click on the Hulu Plus banner or go to BillBird. Oh, sorry. Or go to HuluPlus.com slash Bill. Once again, that's HuluPlus.com slash Bill. Thank you for listening. That's the podcast for this week. Go fuck yourselves, and uh, I'll talk to you next week.